awkward conversation. All right. I never thought it was derogatory, though. Many of my best friends are Mexican, Sarah. It is true. Actually, I really do. I have a, a real Mexican <laughs> best friend, Rick Emerson. A real one, as opposed to my imaginary best <laughs> friend. a real boy. A real Mexican boy. <laughs> Hi, it's 11 o'clock. Uh, Seamus sent me this show opener. Uh, so, uh, so there you go. Ladies, uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you, uh, I give you this. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is Dalton. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a boxer? Just look, young guy. And usually does. Somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. If you keep talking, you're going to go off thinking you're a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? Worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. <laughs> My town. I'm not afraid of him. I guess you'll be having that fire sale now, all right? <laughs> yes, your hands will, kid. Patrick Swayze. Did that line of work? I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. Dressed up for a quinceanera, or whatever that thing is. Wasn't that thing? Is that what they call it? A quinceanera? Yeah, with the turn 15. Yes. Uh, it is for uh, it is for Latin girls. It's like a coming out, it's like a, a thing, like a bar mitzvah sort of. All right. Well, in any event, I wore this shirt actually for Dave Zinn. That's the irony of this shirt. I wore this shirt because of Dave Zinn, who is perhaps the whitest person I know. He. Uh, Dave Zinn came into the office the other day, and he was wearing a shirt a lot like this one. And I know you all can't see this at home, but it's like, how would you describe it? It's like a bowling shirt, sort of? Yeah, well, Dave Zinn has style. He wears shirts like that all the time. Yeah, no, it, it, it's like a bowling shirt with sort of stitching on the front, like looks, a pattern down the front, kind of. Yeah, you were describing it the best, the first way. It like, has the patterns down either side. Yeah. Anyway, so Dave was standing in my, it was my, and I complimented him on the shirt. And I said, that's a great shirt you have on there. And he gave me the... the Said, well, these shirts are really popular in Southern California. In San Diego, there's a lot of these, a lot of these shirts, and that prompted me. I remembered that I had a shirt like this somewhere deep in my closet, uh, so I rooted around on the hangers and I found this one and I wore it in today. And Dave Zinn himself complimented me on this shirt. All right, fantastic. Ah, it's two minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of March of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. It is Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. A hello and uh, howdy to you. 
503-733-2970 if you'd like to be a part of our program today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 if you want to weigh in with your comments, your clarifications, your commentage, your, uh, your things, your whatnots, your ends, your odds. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, our friend uh, Christopher Scott in for Richie Bristol, who is gone today. Richie's, it's one of those things where Richie wouldn't tell me why he needed to be gone. No, he said it on the air yesterday. I don't think he told me. I wasn't, uh, I didn't hear it. Yeah, he, he needs to clean up after an unfortunate tenant left a mess. Oh, is that what that is? I mm-hmm. see, I didn't, I thought those were two separate things. No. Because he asked me. an uh, day thing, believe me. But <laughs> about a day and a half ago, he said, yeah, I'm not going to be, I'm going to need to take Thursday off. And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. What's up? And he goes, oh, you don't want to know. And he sort of stomped out of the office. So, but this is that. He has to, uh, because Richie Bristol is also a slumlord. So he has someone uh, someone who is now in disfavor with him. I guess someone who left his property a mess. Is that the, gen- is that the upshot of the situation? Uh-huh. wonder if that person will be uh, dealt with at the appropriate time in the appropriate fashion. Oh, they will be. <laughs> their, their renting karma will, uh, will come back on them. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Richie Bristol gone today, back tomorrow. Uh, so Christopher Scott Manning the phone today. It is 503 503- 733-2970. He is uh, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, and uh, the mundane. So there was this whole discussion, uh, like 10 seconds before the program, about various Latin terminology and whether or not it, it could be applied to me. And so that is just a word for dude. Is that what it is? Yeah, kind of a, a common person. So if someone is a... It is a it, be, I, don't, I, because I don't pretend to be learned in the ways of the world. So, in my experience, is living in Los Angeles around a lot of Spanish people. So then, a cholo is a dude. Yeah, okay. an ordinary fellow, a guy. So I remember reading about how Gwen Stefani modeled her look, and she said she modeled it over after you know cholo girls. Right. So that's sort of it's sort of a like a rough and tumble kind of character. Like a, an Archie Bunker of the Hispanic set. <laughs> That's the paraphrase. I've never heard that phrase before, and no one will ever say that phrase again because it's just that that's unique what it and means, funny. Really? No, it's great. That's that's just I never really may given <laughs> be given very explanations, but that's really what it comes down that, to. That's a combination of words that I never really anticipated anybody saying this like. Well, he's like a Mexican Archie Bunker. Correct. All right, fantastic. Wonderful. It's going to be a fantastic day. Smell that? That's genius in the offing right there. It's 503-733-2970. All right, we got um, emails to get to him. I'm running just a tiniest bit behind today, so I got all of the stuff to get to, but it's not uh, not as organized as it might ideally be, but that doesn't matter. Nothing nothing can stop today's program. It's a, it's a sense of inevitable greatness. That's what it is. It's 503-733-2970. You want to email? You can do that as well. It is uh, rick at... RickEmerson.com, Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or uh, though he is uh, not here to read your emails today, Richie at 970.am. Here's what's coming up today, including but not limited to Lisa Desjardins, uh, who will be joining us from Washington, D.C., where Howard Dean is. Boy, Howard Dean, how much do you think he's regretting taking that job, though? Because everybody in Florida, and it had to be Florida, that's the thing. Because everybody in Florida and Michigan, long story short, Everybody who voted in the primaries in Florida and Michigan, their votes don't count. 
because Florida and Michigan broke the rules, and they held their primaries earlier than the Democratic Party wanted them to. And so the Democratic Party said, well, okay, you can vote, but your votes aren't going to mean anything. They're not going to count. You don't get any say in anything. Which didn't really seem like it was going to be a problem, because everybody assumed Hillary was just going to win everything in a walk on Super Tuesday. Now, suddenly, as they did in 2000, suddenly all those Florida votes mean something. So now Hillary wants them counted, Barack doesn't, and Howard Dean is stuck in the middle wishing he'd taken a job somewhere else. Fantastic. Uh, so we'll talk about that today. Uh, CNN radio correspondent James Roop will join us from the City of Angels, where they are, we had this last week, where they are selling off Jack Ruby's gun. Uh, an extensive pop culture auction is being held in Las Vegas next weekend. CNN's Jim Roop reports one of the more popular items in the collection, the gun that Jack Ruby used to assassinate Patsy Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, we have that. We have a great top five today. And by great, I mean really horrible. Um, I don't even know how this chain of events occurred inside my brain. I don't know how I went from A to Z. But what I do have today is the top five most awkwardly sexual songs for the 1980s. There you go. That's what we'll get through today. Is it already all put together? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, no, it came together like that. I didn't have to think about it. It was like it was. It was like the top five had just been gestating in my head like some sort of a musical zygote. Just waiting to come out. So, uh, yeah, the top five most awkwardly sexual songs of the 1980s. We have the uh, Glorious Bastard of the, uh, of the Week coming up later on. They'll win a uh, copy of Into the Wild on DVD. Excellent. Uh, let's see. Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, a little bit of uh, the recapping of some stuff that happened uh, last night when uh, Terry from the street team and I were out uh, doing our weekly uh, our door-to-door thing. Uh, let's see. And uh, and just, uh, just uh, various cleaning up and sort of uh, getting to loose threads that have been piling up throughout the week. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday. An Oregon woman staying blocks from today's Times Square explosion felt her hotel shake. An asphalt grinder rolls over a state man, killing him. Wow. Two morons are arrested for stealing a backpack belonging to a young cancer patient. Ah. These two people belong in the book. Uh, Patrick Swayze will continue to work as doctors are expressing optimism about his cancer treatments, which is much different than what we heard yesterday. So that is a good thing. An OSU student looking for weasels finds wolverines instead. (laughs) That's the best headline of the year. I don't care what else happens. I don't care what the next nine months hold. That's the best headline in 2008. $75 million in gift cards may be worthless. Volunteers are needed to be stung by mosquitoes infected with malaria. It's going to be a fantastic day. You betcha. Really, with every moment, this day becomes better and better. All right, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hi, how are, how are you today? Oh, I'm fabulous. I uh, watched, started watching season two of Dexter yesterday. Okay, so uh, how many episodes in are you? I, I got three done yesterday. Okay, so at the end of season one, when that thing is revealed, uh-huh. when the, he comes home and his sister's watching television, she says, Dexter, look at this. Oh, and oh he my sees gosh. the news story breaking. My friend, um, he's not going to watch the show, so he let me spoil it for him. I'm like, I was bursting. I'm like, I need to tell somebody this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I could not believe that. That shot, the... That's exactly the shot I'm talking about right there. I was just going to mention the that. The sh- underwater the shot of the underwater. Yeah. Where there's just the vast expanse. Was, yeah. yeah, that was really, really creepy. I know that we're talking in vagaries. Vagaries and vagueness are not the same thing, are they? Well, whatever. We're talking vaguely right now. Uh, because Dexter Season 1 is on CBS right now. Uh, season three is going to begin rolling in September. Season two, I think, is coming out on DVD any day now. So everybody will kind of get up to speed with this. But that shot, that underwater shot, where you just see it going on forever. No, I'm. I don't want to. I'm not other people. That was, that was 
Didn't you accidentally ruin something on the wire? I ruined something with a wire accidentally. It was a mistake. I didn't mean to do it. I'm not saying you'd intentionally do it, but yeah, because I wasn't expecting that shot, and that was just... Yeah, that gave unbelievable. Me I was like, wow. Fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, so and I... And it makes you, because you're, you're kind of sympathizing with this guy, but then after you see that, it's like, what is he? This this season actually does, uh, this season of Dexter, season two actually does challenge you a little bit in terms of still seeing him as a hero. They do they they do start to add extra facets and layers to his character, and you really do you really do start to think to yourself like like what like even I know like it's not enough that he's a serial killer, <laughs> it's not enough that he ties people down and cuts them into pieces, uh, that that isn't enough to turn me off to him. Uh, but this season they start throwing some other things in where you really start to think about him and you think why am I rooting for this guy, because he is just so fundamentally warped on just so many hundreds of levels. What episode are you on? I just finished episode seven last. Last night. Okay. Uh, so uh, tonight, watch up, and I think there's only 12 again. I think it's, uh, uh, I think it might only be a 12 episode season. So hopefully in the next day or two, uh, I can get that watched. And then, but then see, then I got the long wait until September. Mm-hmm. Then I just got to sit here and I got to slog through like the next six months waiting for it to come back. But uh, I'm really glad I started watching that. I really am. Me too. Uh, and you know who I have to thank for that? Dave Zinn. Dave Zinn. So, I have to, yeah, I have him too because I brought it up to you. All good things come from Dave Zinn. All right, fantastic. Um. So, yeah. All right, a few things to talk about. Uh, one, and this is just a note. I just uh, Anybody who's in the studio right now can see that as every Thursday for some reason, is the, the, Thursday is the day I run behind. I don't know why. There's really nothing happened today. It's not like today's any different than any other day. But Thursday, it, it, I, there's just no way for me to be properly organized or to have all my things compiled and collated on Thursday mornings. You could give me an extra five hours of prep time Thursday morning, and I would still come in here and not know what the hell I was doing, and things would be just sitting around all higgledy-piggledy. Yeah, because it was like eight minutes till the top of the hour. I'm like, where is I, I don't know what it is, man. There's, there really is something about Thursdays. It's just some sort of a black hole for preparation time. So I have a lot of things here that have not been put into uh, their respective piles. They haven't been organized or they're sort of separated anyway. So I'm just going to go through these top to bottom. A, to whoever left the half-eaten cookie upstairs uh, at the coffee area. You know, upstairs there's like the mail slots and then there's a little, uh, there's a little counter where they serve coffee. Mm-hmm. So somebody had like a plate of cookies. It was like a client or somebody dropped that off. And so I went by after the, sh- you know, after the show and I thought, well, I'll get myself a cup of coffee and a pastry. And so around 3.30, 3.45 yesterday, I go by the coffee area. Someone has taken a bite. They haven't broken it in half. It's not like they said, well, hey, I, I, I can't put my whole cookie. I can't finish an entire cookie. You know what I'll do? I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll snap it in half and I'll, I'll leave part of it for a co Someone took a bite out of a cookie and then put it back on the tray. Hmm. That is a board off who became a salesperson, probably. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't leave their old world ways I was just gonna, I was going to say, it's like being raised by wolves. It's like Greystoke. You know? <laughs> raised in the jungle and then has to live among man. I mean, that's exactly what it is. A manimal. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like that woman that I'm sometimes next to on the bus where she's got a bag full of live chickens. You just want to go, look, this is... Look, this is America. Behave. So that's exactly what it was. Upstairs, some bastard took a bite out of a cookie. And here's the thing about it. It's not like I was then going to eat the cookie. It's not like I had to sort of weigh it. But, A, that's ruining a perfectly good cookie. If you're, if you're not going to eat the rest of the cookie, throw it away. There's no one's going to eat that. 
I mean, not even upstairs, not even on a radio station. No one's going to eat that. So you put it down there, and it's just taunting me, showing me a cookie I can never have. Not only that, I can't eat anything on that tray. Can I just say this? This is, okay, this is related to that. So yesterday, there's a cookie with a bite out of it. I mean, think of the brains, think of the thought process there, where somebody walks up and, well, there's a cookie. Yeah, it looks, it looks pretty good. Maybe I'll try it. They pick the cookie up. Into their filthy salesperson mouth it goes. <laughs> and then they say to themselves either A, this is good, but I can't finish it, or B, it's not as good as I thought it would be. I'll put it back down. Right onto the tray. Which means that you can never eat anything off that tray ever again. This is like that. Yesterday, uh, uh, around 3 o'clock, I walked into the kitchen down here on our level. And in the kitchen... Did you see all that food that was in the kitchen yesterday afternoon? No. Because there had been a traffic meeting upstairs. And so they put a bunch of food trays in the kitchen. It was like sort of deli stuff that had been catered in. You know, so it was like some small sandwiches and then like a bunch of vegetables and dip and whatever. But, of course, you know who was in there grazing off of that was the comedians yesterday. <laughs> so I, I had walked into the kitchen at one point, and there was one of the comedians, like, putting their grubby hand on the carrots. and then just... They were not grubby. They were both clean. Yeah, but I could never... I could never eat that stuff. I walked in. I just I can never eat community cookies when they've been laying out. No, I couldn't. There I'm was not a community cookie eater. No, there was after seeing after and I I walked in. Here's here's how off putting the idea of eating that food after some of the guests have been in the kitchen. Here's how off putting that idea was. I walked into the kitchen later and I saw Tim Ryan, who I do believe will eat almost anything. Uh, as as a part-timer, he will consume almost anything in front of him. I saw, and he's a vegan, right? So you figure it's right up his alley because it's just a whole tray full of vegetables. I saw him in there giving that food the hard look, you know, just the long stare. And then he finally just shook his head and went, I can't do it. And he just left. Mm. So there you go. Uh, let's see. What else? So that's that. Anybody see, um, anybody see uh, Kelly Day on coin this morning? No, who's she? She's that woman that does that thing. Mm. I think it was this morning. I, I have only heard this secondhand, but I've heard it from at least two different people now. So, you know, very sadly, uh, Patrick Swayze has uh, has cancer. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, it's a big buzzkill. You know, no, no one likes to see anybody die. And cancer's, cancer's a bad way to go. Pancreatic cancer, apparently uh, one of the worst cancers yeah. to get. It's not the good cancer. Um... So apparently she said this this morning, though. First of all, they were doing some wacky, like, animal story. You know, like a, like a, like a dog that writes children's books or something. Mm-hmm. And they segue from that, of course. They're doing the giggle, and then they segue immediately to Patrick Swayze dying. But then she says this. I guess she said, you know, Patrick Swayze, blah, 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 incurable cancer, will undoubtedly die slowly and painfully. And then she said... She didn't say that. That's my that's my paraphrasing. Oh, God. No, no, no. She, that's my paraphrasing. But she does the whole sad story about Patrick Swayze. And then I guess this morning she, she then immediately says, and another terrible news, Led Zeppelin announced today that they will not be touring this fall. <laughs> oh, my God. So right there from Patrick Swayze wow. dying of pancreatic cancer to the fact that a rock concert will not be happening. They're all in the same sort of moral plane inside Kelly Day. Yeah. All right, that was this morning. What time was that show on? Yeah, we've got to get audio of that. I think it was this morning. Uh, Cheryl the Hawaiian uh, told me about that. I haven't come up with a better name for her. So until we do, Cheryl the Hawaiian is what she is known as. I thought we weren't supposed to call her Hawaiian. Why not? I don't know. I thought you told me not to. I don't think I said that. I think Sarah didn't want us to call her uh, yeah, Cheryl you the told Hawaiian. Him not to. Did I say that? Well, you're the program you're director. You can. Today. 
I don't remember that at all. I guess what's not good for the goose is not good for the gander. Maybe it seemed awkward, but then I came to the conclusion there was really no other. That's just how I referred to her. So I'm just going to go with it. A native of Hawaii. She was born and grew up in Hawaii. More than I can. She grew up in a better place than I did. Uh, so uh, anyway, so she saw. Uh, I guess it was this morning. I think she saw it. So I'll try to track down audio. Uh, let's see other notes from last night. Speaking of Dexter, so so Lara has been giving me the stink eye, you know, and giving throwing all this guilt on me about how I'm watching a serial killer program. But you know what she was watching when I walked into the living room last night? Hmm. And I actually here's the thing. I walked into the living room and she paused the TiVo and muted it, and she actually said, "Get out of the living room." And I said, what are you watching? And she said, D it's not important. Go away. And I said, w well, then I had to know. And I said, what are you watching right now? And she was watching Moment of Truth, which is that lie detector program. Yeah, that show looks terrible. Where they and this is what they were doing as I watched. And, of course, then I had to stay and watch a little bit of it. Here's what they were doing last night. And this is why she's not allowed... Uh, this is why she's not allowed to pass judgment on me for watching any of my horrible television shows. As I walked into the living room, they had a woman strapped into the lie detector, and they were asking her if spanking turned her on. And I mean, you really do have to ask yourself what sort of country we're living in. Like, what kind of world this is. I, uh, that show makes me so uncomfortable because it's like people who have already made the commitment to be together. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, did you, a couple, did you ever fantasize about some, you know, like... Did you say a couple weeks ago when they asked a guy, is it true that you gambled away your, your son's college uh, your son's college fund and then blamed it on the stock market? Wow. Yes. So I've never seen that show. It's one of, I have no desire to see that show. Yeah, she... I just, I've seen little snippets of it in the commercial. And what, did, and what did she say? She gave the ultimate American answer when confronted with something that is offensive, but that she can't quit watching. She goes... I'm just watching to see how horrible it gets. I mean, really. As, as, which is it's sort of like that uh, that private parts thing at the Stern, you know? The, uh, well, I'm just listening to see how bad he'll become. Um, anyway, so she apparently felt really dirty watching it, but then, like, continued to watch it. And then she revealed this at some point. Uh, my wife revealed that her aunt, or aunt, as they say on the East Coast, had been on Queen for a day at one point. So that's now a thing we've got to find. We've got to track down her aunt being on Queen of a Day, Queen for a Day, to see exactly what kind of sob story she told. Because I guess Oprah has now re has started recycling the whole Queen for a Day, uh, that whole shtick, the motif. Because Queen for a Day, is, if you don't... Yeah, I don't know what that is. Queen for a Day was this great and awful game show. From what, the 60s, Tim? Yeah. And the deal with Queen for a Day is you would, it would, you would get some poor sap, some woman... And she would get on television tell and, a sob story. and she would tell like a terrible sob story. And the, the thing was, she would try to tell a horrible enough story that they would have pity on her and then give her like a new refrigerator. Here's, hmm. a, here's a typical. So this is the Tyra show now. Keep in mind that this is like 50 years ago, though. This is in the 60s. Typical Queen for a Day episode. This is a true story. Typical Queen for a Day episode. A woman went on and she starts talking and just like blubbering and breaking down in tears and crying because she wants a new mattress because. Her husband died next to her in bed, and she doesn't like sleeping on the mattress where her husband died. And so she gets on television and just starts blubbering about it until they give her a new mattress. I mean, it's just like this terrible, awful, awkward program. And that was 40 years ago. And I guess Oprah does the same thing now where it's called an Oprah give. It's where you get some, some woman comes on the show and, you know, like her skin has been burned off in an industrial accident and she wants Oprah to buy her, you know, like new, new skin or something. Anyway, so that's the thing. So uh, so it turns out that Lars Ant was on Queen for a day, so we got to figure that out. Um, yesterday, a guy called up, said that Patrick Swayze had been on MASH uh, as a soldier who was diagnosed with cancer, and then somebody else disputed that. Turns out it is true. 
this is from IMDb. Patrick Swayze plays a soldier who has been diagnosed with leukemia. One, uh, and uh, apparently where Hawkeye and BJ had to break the news to him that he had like five weeks to live. Oh. So there you go. So that's terribly awkward. By the way, as we played that Roadhouse clip at the top of the show, I did remove the section where the woman says to Dalton, well, I feel like I'm talking to a dead man. I just took that out because it was all very awkward. Uh, all right. One final thing, and then we'll take these calls, then we'll break, come back. Lisa Desjardins. Oh, there are a lot of phone calls. What's going on? I don't know. I some you're checking to see if we're on the air. How sad. People are calling. Maybe our transmitter's blown up. We're playing Patsy Cline music and we don't know about it. <laughs> um, so this is interesting. Uh, somebody called up uh, yesterday and was asking about the, the Rick Emerson book club. We don't really have a book club, but the fact that we recommend books. And he was like, well, you got to post that on the website. And we haven't really ever done anything with it, and we haven't... I know that I should be drummed out of CBS corporate for this, but we've never tried to sell it. We've never tried to hook up with a sponsor for That'd it or anything. That would be funny if it was right next to Oprah's Picks at Powell's. Totally. Well, I mean, people have suggested things like that. We had an A. He was like, you want to do so? You want to you sell that to a store, you know, where we have a sponsor for it? And yes. We just haven't yet because I haven't figured out a way to do it that doesn't feel cheesy. Um, but check this out. So uh, this email says, hey. Uh, I wish I'd have my phone on me when I saw this. I was at the downtown borders yesterday during my lunch break, and I saw them swapping out uh, a display. The employee was removing what looked like an in-house display that said local favorites. The following books were being removed. Youth and Revolt, World War Z, In the Heart of the Sea, and Princess Bride. That's bizarre. Three of which... Well, first of all, none of those are current books except for maybe World War Z, and even that's a couple years old. Uh, Youth and Revolt's like 12 years old. Heart of the Sea is like 7 years old. So three of these books have been recommended by this show really prominently in the last few months, and of course we're huge Princess Bride fans as well. Anyway. That's pretty cool. So I just wanted to pass that along. Somebody at the downtown borders must be a listener. So hello to you, anonymous borders employee. <laughs> all right. Who wants to take some phone calls? Oh, I do. Me right. too. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Amuse us. Uh, is this me? Yes, it is. All right. Uh, this is CJ, and I have an unconfirmed rumor about season three of Dexter. Now, before we plunge on into <gasps> no, this, I don't want to hear any... Sarah no. and I are still in the middle of season two. Well, the information is based on uh, one of the Dexter books that the series is based on. Okay, Sarah's plugging her ears. Now, let me let me ask you this. All right. Now, again, seeing as how Sarah and I have not finished Season 2, if you give this rumor about Season 3, is it going to backhandedly reveal something about Season 2? Uh, well, I've been on hold. I've been trying to think of a way of not spoiling Season 2. Have you, uh, why don't you call back after we finish Season 2? <laughs> have you come up with, with that? Um, well, all I was going to say is that... Um, See, you're, you're doing you're doing this thing again uh, where I'm almost afraid kind of to listen. I know. Can you just call is, back is the is the rumor you're going to reveal will that passively reveal something about season two, sir? I don't believe so because um, it's based almost solely on a book that well, came out in 2005. Well, fair enough. But I mean, but, or, do you watch the show? Uh, I have watched the show. You have watched the show, so I just don't know. Now, see, now I almost feel like I got to take the bullet and listen for you, Sarah. Well, I mean, it's also there are other people who are watching Dexter. Kim, would you mind calling back, sir, in like a week and telling us the rumor? Well, but even but even then, it's like then we're gonna it's all the people in the audience. Okay, well then you listen. I'm gonna I'm not going to. All right, Sarah, should I listen for all of us? 
You're almost done with the season. What if it inadvertently ruins something for you? That's true. Now, sir, do you is this going to spoil something that I haven't seen? In other words, like let, let me put it this way: if if your season three Dexter spoiler was something like, and then Dexter tries to figure out how to remove the probe that aliens put into his head, then I would know that he was about to be kidnapped. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um... Is this that? No, I don't believe so. But I do believe that if this rumor is true, it is based on events in Season 2. But I don't have to say what those events are. No, I think we're going to pass. All right. Well, um... I know you... I know you... I, here's the thing. We're going to pass. Call us this time next week when Sarah and I will have finished Season 2, and we'll uh, we'll take it for you then. So this is not no, but this is this is not yet. This is like next week. Okay, um, and by the way, this is the CJ who dropped off that portable hard drive for you in December. Oh, excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, that, how'd that uh, work out for you? Court, court and Fatboy, uh, also thank you. All right. All right, thank you, my friend. And uh, and uh, Sarah's uh, World War Z books. All right, excellent. You're the, you're right. the coolest. Thank you, my brother. Yeah. All right. right, next week. We'll talk to you then. All right, All right. there you go. Okay, he, re, he was respectful. He, uh... No, that was, I'm glad. I just, I, yeah, I didn't mean to be, but it's one of those things that people are like, no, 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 I was just going to say. I was just going to say the know, robot did it. You know, he got all of his, you know, all of his limbs chopped off. It's I like, know. Ugh. Well, it's like I told you that the Dexter news story, where the still they ran with the news story, is an inadvertent spoil. Sons of bitches. I mean, I accidentally spoiled that wire thing, and I felt terrible about it. So, all right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, how are you doing, buddy? What's up? Uh, well, I was just uh, a, a Kelly Day moment. Uh, I own a, a catering business, and I was uh, catering a remote. I won't say where, but uh, now wait, is this? Are you now? Are you going to speak ill of Kelly Day? I, I'm just going to re- relate a uh, um, uh, a situation. Now, what we we should say uh, first and foremost, as uh, you'll uh, you'll hear Tom give this disclaimer every now and again. Uh, not to impugn you, sir, but we have no way of knowing if this call is real. We have no way of knowing if anything in this call actually transpired. We have no way of knowing if anything in this call is actually accurate or ever took place. Uh, that's why my name is Bob. That's, that, being, that being said, uh, please briefly to give your story. Well, as, uh, as I arrived at this remote, uh, we had a very short time to set up. I was feeding the film crew. And a uh, very short time to set up because they had to come in and eat and then leave and go break down their, their setups. And uh, there were multiple locations about the city. And uh, as I pulled up, I got out, moved a couple of chairs, went to back up by the uh, fine uh, uh, CBS motorhome that they have there for the, uh, for the talent. Uh-huh. And, and uh, she was sitting about 25 feet away or something, uh, proceeded to climb all over me for blocking her light, for you can't park there, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, and it's like, well, I'm sorry, I'm on a very short time frame here, and these people, well, I'm on camera. <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh, oh, uh, excuse me. And uh, You know, that I mean, never works for us. Like, we can never go, I'm on the microphone. You have to. I'm on the radio. You'll need to yeah, get out of my way. Yeah, yeah, Being yeah, on the radio yeah. gets me dick. It gets me absolutely well, nothing. Know, and from what I've heard, you don't... You don't like light anyway. You live in a shadowy <laughs> uh, right. place. All right. But, well, I have to ask uh, you but, this. Uh, you know, it was it was funny that I related that to some other fine uh, CBS employees at a, another function that I was happened to be at. But I but I have to ask you this, Kelly Day. Was she hot in person? <sighs> she was cranky. <laughs> All right. Thank you. We're just we're gonna call we're gonna call it a day on that on that call. Thank That's you, better. sir. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. Yes. Oh, I've met her a couple times. Was she nice? Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. How's it going? You know, uh, Queen for a Day 
Um, <laughs> Wait, are you leading up to a bad joke? No, no. All right. Sounded no, like you were I... leading up to a terrible pun. I'm sure I could conjure one up. Let's, let's one. not. What do you, what do you got? Um, I, I, if I remember correctly, the true horror of that show is that the women had to compete about whose uh, horrible sop story was yeah. the worst. Um, yeah, there were oh. multiple women with terrible, terrible things that had happened to them in their lives. And then, yeah, who was whoever had the worst story got, you know, got their wish granted. And everybody else got, everybody else got told to get bent. Yeah. yeah the, the winner was the person with the most miserable life. <laughs> it really is a very American program. And the show was on five days a week. That's true. They, yeah. they never ran out of people. Yeah, I do like the idea that the winner was the one who had, like, the worst, you know. The winner was the one who had, like, cancer of the everything, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, also, like, they lost their husband, they lost their child, they had cancer, and their mother was dying. And here's a washer and dryer. <laughs> totally have some frozen peas. And All right. Everything's yes. fine now that you have a free home appliance. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. Uh, do uh, one or two more, and then we'll break. Come back with Lisa Desjardins. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hi, you. Hi. I'm sorry. And I heard a crazy crackle noise before we picked up. I wasn't sure whether it was me or my no, phone. It is. Um, it's, 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 well, it's fine. What's up, sir? I uh, want to say hi to Sarah, and apparently Ricky's not there, but hi to Tim. Um, uh, I just wanted to let you know, uh, I stumbled across this last night. I was on iTunes and looking for free shows on there, kind of like you can listen to Bill Maher and get the best week ever. Yes, sir. But there's uh, HBO has a thing for The Wire that has um, a bunch of interviews with the cast and everything. But uh -huh. there's also a, because I know about a week ago you said that Omar was your favorite character. Yeah. And you're always just waiting for him to come back on. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. I would totally watch a spinoff with just Omar. Oh, so it's like the, the Omar show. Yeah. Uh, but they have like a two-minute, uh, I guess like a prequel that they have with of a couple of the characters like Bulk and uh, McNulty. Is that, the thing uh, where, is that the thing where he's like 10 and he's robbing the guy at the bus stop? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was interesting. And the one with Bunk and McNulty is pretty good and... The proposition Joe went a little a little corny, but the uh, the other two are pretty good actually. Yeah, I thought that was that was really awesome. Uh, I wish they'd have done that with all the characters. And how interesting and, is it that even as a kid, Omar had that weird scar on his face, and they, I don't think they ever explain where it came from. It's just one of those no. things. The Wire is a pretty great show in that they don't feel the need to explain everything. Some stuff is just there. Yeah, it's pretty rad. All right, are you looking forward to the series finale, sir? No. <laughs> oh, let me put it I this way. Are you going. are you excited to watch Sunday's episode? Let me put it yeah. that way. All right. Yeah, thank you for kicking that guy off the line and not giving away something about Dexter. I was I'm in the middle of season two and I was like, no. Yeah, no. I uh, when in doubt, don't. That's uh, that's my motto, sir. Yeah. That's All right. Good. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Rick. All right, there you go. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, later on, we have a guy here on hold who uh, met Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. I can't do Sam Elliott's voice. Beef. It's what's for dinner. It's that guy. Uh... And Lisa Desjardins coming up. Uh, not Steve Kastam. James Roop, Tim Riley. Top five awkwardly sexual songs from the 80s and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Well, okay. That is depressing. Well, fantastic. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Let's see. Uh, we'll get to some email. I got a couple of. Terry and I were out doing our uh, our door to door. Our Emerson for America uh, thing last night. Have you seen the logo for that? No. It's pretty great because it's a. It, it, we are kind of doing it like a political campaign thing. It's got this red, white, and blue thing and a bunch of stars and it says Emerson for America. Um, 
But instead of uh, like the elephant or the donkey, it's got the silhouette of like like a chimpanzee. You uh, should totally do the whole like I believe in Harvey Dent, I believe in Rick Emerson, uh, like viral campaign. I like the way you think. Uh, okay, so we got some uh, some emails from uh, folks we saw last night, and then this. Rick, did you at any time upset the Chinese government? I am in a little village. Uh, I am in a little village in western China trying to get your podcast. The government monitors all email here and restricts website access. Guess what? Your podcast is restricted by the Chinese government. Uh, and then he said, blah, 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 what'd you do? So I take it as kind of a point of pride that China won't allow their people to listen to us because they know that the Rick Emerson Show sows the seeds of revolution. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hi. How are you? Wow. Hi. How are you, hero of the people? <laughs> it's what I. It's my. It's a. I was trying to make a pun about. No. Or I guess. I guess. I, oh, I got nothing. China's eyes. You are the enemy of the people. I suppose. I was. Uh, I was. I was trying to make some little red book pun, and it just didn't. No. I got nothing. Uh, I really can't stop. <laughs> Eddie Izzard once constructed. I don't know if you're familiar with Eddie Izzard, but he. he yes. He did this. He he had this entire. This entire little riff he did at one point in the Dress to Kill special where you could tell it was all constructed to get to one line where he did talk about, in fact, uh, making his meals out of a little red cookbook. <laughs> and really, that was the entire point of the, the, the bit. It was all just to get to that one line. All right. How much do you suppose Howard Dean hates his life right now? One being not at all or ten being a whole lot? Oh, I, he's, he's, he might be a ten at this point. He's nine, maybe. He, he had to expect this when he was coming in because not everybody wanted him in the job, but I'd give him a nine. So, and of course, it had to be. Okay, i got to stop myself right now because I can feel as we begin this conversation, it's like all of yesterday's leftover political endorphins are just beginning to fire in my brain. And I'm just going to gibber myself into a frenzy here if I don't be careful. Wow. So, of course, it had to be Florida, right? I mean, of, of all, I mean, Michigan, too. But, I mean, it, uh, of all of the states in all of the, uh, you know, the, 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 in all of the elections, it had to be Florida this year where... Uh, a few years back, we had an issue with some folks believing their votes weren't counted. Uh, and if Hillary is smart, which she is, that's exactly the lever she's going to pull in the American mind, is the idea of this time Florida's votes will be counted. And that rings, that is going to have resonance in the press and just with the, with the, with the cultural uh you know, with the cultural mindset, I think. Yes, very very possible to me. This almost Florida, in my mind, is very. I'm very close to clinching a theory, feeling okay about the theory that Florida is sort of a political Britney Spears. Just ha just has to be in the mix. Just has got to be causing some trouble. Got to get some headlines. Got to be showing up drunk at work. <laughs> you know, something like that. It almost feels like Florida should have seen this coming because. Essentially, what they did, they set up this primary in violation of the Democratic rules, basically expecting that after they broke the rules, you know, it'd be a Catholic confessional situation. Sure. That they'd be forgiven later. Be, well, we're Florida. We're there. What are they going to do? Not count our delegates? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> that's the standoff right now. And that's why Howard Dean's really, it's, it's almost like a kid testing a parent. You know, Howard Dean is really being tested to see. You know where does he fall on this? Is is he going to stick with the rules? Well, you guys broke the rules, or is he is he really going to say, well, yeah, you guys are a very important state actually, and you've decided elections in the past, and may, maybe we don't want to make you all angry, and I, I don't know. Well, here's the thing: you probably don't want to make Florida angry because Florida is also very much like the Courtney Love of the American. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really, just even better. Really, I mean, you look the wrong way, and you're going to get a letter opener in the side of your neck. Um, it, so. 
I, I just can't even I can't even start to wrap my brain around this. Would you say that uh, not uh, not counting the 2000 debacle and you know and maybe and maybe some of the post Watergate stuff and that immediate aftermath? Would you say that this is already the, perhaps the most fascinating election? In the last, what, however many years? I mean, it just, can you remember or, or are you aware of another election where so many issues, where it was such a tangled ball of yarn? Ooh, you know, it's tough. I, I, I'm right with you. I think this one stands out at least in the last, let's say, 30 years. But I will say that, you know, 1980 had some interesting things going on, 84 as well. You know, you had Ted Kennedy in the one, Jesse Jackson in the other. There were a lot of dynamics going on. You had the economy there as well. You had uh, the Cold War, which, I mean, come on, anytime you have the Cold War, that made for great stuff. Yeah. But but I think aside aside from kind of looking at because the, there always are big issues. Every election feels like an incredible election to some extent. But this one, I, I don't think there have been as many dynamics uh, and as much drama and, and kind of uh, the, sh- the sugar load of this election outweighs every, every, any other one I can think of. So, uh, so what, was, what, was, what was the Simpson episode where was it, they had the, the squishy, with a super squishy, right? Without the, with, without, uh, there was just syrup, there was no ice. I, sadly, my Simpsons knowledge is sometimes somebody out lacking. There is nodding with me. No, there's somebody out there who appreciates your reference right now. It's a great, yeah. Uh, that's what we call, uh, it's maybe not a 1% joke, but that's about a, maybe that's a 40% joke. Bart goes on a bender, he becomes a Boy Scout, anyway. Uh, so let me, so, yeah. There are so many things to consider, and I'm just trying to sort of organize my own thoughts here. So you've got the Obama campaign, which presumably they don't want anything. They want Florida just to be kicked out and told to wait till next time. Um, but they can't come out and say that. They want to redo. They certainly don't want the results as they were to stand. And so is Howard Dean effectively saying uh, you either have, because the latest I heard is that he, Howard Dean seems to be saying, look, you'll either have a redo, you'll re-vote, mm-hmm. or, you don't, or you don't get a say at all. Yes, that is what Howard Dean is saying exactly. That's what, now, he himself, is, he's not the only Democrat in charge of the rules, and it is possible that the Democratic Rule Committee could meet after the Puerto Rico, uh, I think it's a primary in Puerto Rico, uh, in June 7th. After that, they they could overrule him, but he is he's laying down the law right now, saying no, uh, you you have to do it over. And he's also saying we're not going to pay for it, and that seems to be the debate of the day. Florida's governor uh, Charlie Crist is saying you guys need to pay for it. You you know this is a problem within the Democratic Party. The state of Florida shouldn't pay for this mess. Uh, and then of course the Democratic Party in Florida is just sort of a la, 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 kind of you know pointing to everybody else. Trying right. To... It is worth noting that uh, that in Florida there was actually no one campaigned at all. I mean there was just no campaigning that happened, and yet uh, Hillary was. I mean I think she, she won by a fairly large margin. Did she not in Florida? She did win by a healthy margin. Let me look that up. It's interesting to note that even with no campaigning, with no real push by anybody, in other words, when all of the sort of media manipulation and sort of political machinations were taken off the table, she won handily. It does make me it does make me wonder if uh, given if she would went and poured her, you know, her sort of resources and her sort of foot power into that state. Uh, I mean, it seems like like it, it might be with her, you know, regardless. You know, it's it's it depends on how you look at yeah, it's showing fifty percent for Hillary Clinton, thirty three percent for Barack Obama there in Florida. 
there's a couple of things about that Florida vote to take into consideration. The Obama camp will say that was all name recognition. That's why she did so well. She's known because she's campaigned there twice before when her husband was running for president. And she's very well known. And also there is a great overlap between Florida and New York. Between all the New Yorkers that go south to Florida right. or visit their friends in Florida, she's a senator from New York. So Obama's going to say she had sort of these all these natural uh, resources, kind of the landscape of Florida automatically goes to Hillary Clinton, and he would say that's why it's fair, unfair that he didn't get a shot at campaigning. The other thing about that Florida vote is that it was record turnout, but it, the turnout was much higher for Republicans in Florida than for Democrats. So Obama could argue, well, it's not really a fair uh, look at how Democrats in Florida would vote because – Maybe not all of them voted. We didn't see as many Democrats come out as Republicans. Others could say, "Well, that's that's just spin." Uh, but it's a very—I mean, it, it's just—it is just a, a mess of uh, dynamics. You can argue all day about it. A couple other things. So I know that the, the, with the Texas caucus, that came, the Obama ended up—I mean, not a wash, but I mean, he he ended up keeping his lead. His his delegate count was effectively unchanged after all was said and done. Was it but not? See, here's the deal with the Texas caucuses: they're still counting. We won't know final results until at least tomorrow. Maybe over the weekend, we've got 41% of the precincts reporting on the tech, in the Texas caucuses, Obama 56, uh, Clinton 44, I believe. I don't think there was an uh, – yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see. So uh, we have one question from a listener that says, uh, could you please – you have now become – you've become our Cecil Adams. You really have become the uh, – you've become the go-to person for political fact. Wow. Could you ask Lisa the following question? Other than Cheney, who was the last VP that did not seek to run for president? I don't know the answer. I figure you might know. Oh. The last VP that did not seek to run for president. I don't even – I'm trying to work backward in my head. Well, I mean, certainly Spiro Agnew <laughs> not run for president. He yeah. comes immediately to mind, and yes. I think he may have been the last one. Yeah, so the, there being uh, what we might call extenuating circumstances uh, in that case. Um, right, precisely. Uh, uh, all right, and I, I guess um, – so my two uh, – I have one question, one brief observation then. Well, my question is – and this is sort of a rhetorical question – how – Fast and hard and mean and ugly uh, is the road to Pennsylvania going to be, and will Pennsylvania itself be? Oh, geez. Turn off your phones, Pennsylvania. Just disconnect the line right now because people who live there are just going to be pounded with phone calls and signs, mailings. And one, it's, not, it's not just because that's been the nature of this campaign so far, but we just got in the last few minutes new numbers essentially on fundraising. Mm -hmm. Barack Obama raised $55 million, million in February. And altogether, it, it, give me a guess, Rick, on how much money Barack Obama has raised so far total. Uh, in, well, going back how long? For the, la for the last year. So in the last year, how much money Barack Obama has raised? For his campaign. Uh, for, for both primary and, yeah. What, and, was the, what was the last number you gave me? $55 million in what time million period? $55 million in February. Now, in that was February. his second highest month. I believe second highest should be uh, 350. He did. He didn't do quite that well. It was, but it was 193 million. Okay, well that's still that's still damn impressive. Dollars. I mean, that yeah, is that's phenomenal. We, you know, when uh, George W. Bush was on track to raise 100 million over the entire campaign in 2000, people were fainting. They had never really seen that kind of number. Here we have it's March, and we've got one of the two big candidates with almost $200 million. We don't have a total for Hillary Clinton yet. I think they're still working out those numbers. But So he had $55 million in February. She had $35 million. 
her campaign coming out today saying that in uh, the day following Texas, she raised $3 million that day alone. So basically, it's a lot of numbers. It just adds up to a huge mess in Pennsylvania. They are raising tons of money. They both feel like they can win this, and you can make arguments about that, but they both think they can win it. They've got money to spend, and there is one big state that uh, they're looking at. And actually, you know, the, the fact that I guess so high is sort of interesting because it's, it shows, I think, a little bit of that Barack spin where that camp constantly puts out you know, we're raising a million dollars every nine minutes via our website. I mean, they, they really have made that a big part of that guy's story, that he is raising money just hand over fist. I do, I get this image of, of the Obamacare, that people just bringing it in wheelbarrows and running out of places in which to put it. Yeah. There's just, I don't know, uh, I don't know, put it over there in that bag, we'll get to it later. <laughs> um, just my, my, exactly. my final observation here is just, at some point, somebody will write an essay called, how did John McCain become the nominee? And I'm not, I'm not trying to knock John McCain, but it is sort of interesting that he, he just was sort of the last man standing, but through this weird, like, confluence of events that is just sort of, you, you know, he's, he's a guy that maybe not everybody is tremendously excited about, and maybe nobody's real full of vim and vigor and pep for John McCain, and yet suddenly there's no Rudy, there's no, uh, no Huckabee, there's no Romney, it, it, suddenly there's John McCain, and it is sort of interesting, they, a sort of, how did this happen kind of a thing. Right. I, you know, I think there are two ways to look at it. You can look at it sort of in the day-by-day, day, the way most people are going to look at it, which is that, that he did just withstand the pressure and that Mitt Romney could never get this uh, majority of voters that he needed. He was doing well here and there, but he could never really clinch the deal. However, uh, the other way to look at it is sort of like the broad trends of history look, that maybe this is a sign that Republicans understood that uh, a more conservative candidate uh, is is going to do less well in this particular election. They're looking for someone who had that bipartisan appeal. You could also argue that uh, conservatives just aren't excited, so they didn't come out the way that they have in the past for their conservative candidates. You know, Mike Huckabee did great, but he still didn't win it, and he was the conservative's choice. And so you can say, well, they stayed home, and that's how you end up with someone who's reached across party lines. It's such a cliche, but someone who has worked with both parties, like John McCain. He's conservative on some social issues, but he's moderate on others, and he, he ended up being a moderate choice for the Republican Party. That's why they're not doing cartwheels, but in the end, he may be their best chance of winning. Maybe. And you might... Meanwhile, I am really curious to see, uh, you know, if... if uh, the Democratic Party of Oregon actually is going to. Oh, there's my phone ringing very loudly. Uh, have some influence. You, you know, your primary is uh, in May. No, our, my primary, which I had been joking about for the longest time, was just going to be completely and totally irrelevant. Um, but maybe not so much. So maybe not so much. It, it really might not be. It might. It might. Uh, it might matter. We're so used to not counting for anything here in Oregon. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, I know you got to go. Are you on tomorrow? Um, I am on tomorrow, yes. All right, fantabulous. As always, have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, you too. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Wonderful. Excellent. All right. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing over there? It does seem like it's going to be a very exciting election. It does. It's going to be gripping, thrilling. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. uh, This is, uh, since you brought up um, Roadhouse, I thought I'd uh, mention I ran into Sam Ellis the other day. He came into my work. And he looked just like his character as he did in Roadhouse. Now, what kind of work do you do? Uh, I work at a plant nursery. So, and so Sam Elliott, does he live here? Uh, no, his folks do it. I think he went to David Douglas here when he was in high school, I, I believe. I didn't know that. 
or, or yeah, he he went did that. So I I I I know he comes. I heard rumors that he comes in the nursery a lot, and uh, but I was in the I was in the parking lot and he pulls up this uh, was it a big suburban drives by and all I can see is his face in the window. But I just kind of like did this double take and he stops right next to me and he gets out and uh, I he gets out and walks right next to me. And I went Sam, and he just gives me that look that nod that yeah. look he does. Yeah, how cool. And, yeah, no, so I, when I just said, I said, wow, I'm a huge fan, and he stopped short because he was walking by me. And uh, as he turns around, he almost trips on a hose <laughs> and uh, almost breaks his ankle right in front of me. But he, when he comes over to shake my hand, he says, better watch my hooves. <laughs> That's funny. so cool. That's and, so and, badass. And, and, it was cool. and then when he said, thank you, when he shook my hand, he said, thank you, just like he did to the dude in the Big Lebowski. Oh, that's so great. And, uh, yeah, so he talk, he actually talks just like he does in the movies. See, and aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he's just like he is in the movies? He's one of those guys where you want to believe he's just that guy. He really is, man. He, yeah, he's such a cool dude. And, he's, he, you know, he's buying plans for his folks. He's just such a cool dude, man. Wonderful. He's, Excellent. Yeah. All right, thank you, my friend. You bet. Take right, care. I didn't know who you were talking about, I'm Sam Elliott, but that was the person I pictured in my head, yeah. and it is him. Oh, he's the coolest guy he who's ever lived. so cool. Chicks dig him, you know. Have you noticed that there are more and more celebrities in Portland lately? It is. We're a town on the move, Sarah. I guess so. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Jim, Sarah. What's up? Hello. This is voice number two. Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, the last vice president not to run, I believe, was Nelson Rockefeller. Well, I, she did note the Agnew thing, but that was a little bit different. Because so, Agnew resigned. Yes, he did. Caught, then, caught effectively just taking huge bags of cash right across his desk. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, allegedly. Yeah. Yes. Hey, I, I wanted to really thank you for the uh, the recap daily. Yeah. It is so awesome. Thank you, sir. I had an hour gap in there from 10 to 11 where I didn't. I had to listen to Right Wing Nut Radio. Well, uh, we're glad we're glad you're enjoying the recap. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's part yeah. of the podcast too. So folks who maybe don't get to hear, they can listen to that on the podcast as well. well well, it's part of my return to the Tiffany Network and its products. Excellent. Well, we're glad to have you, sir. You spread the word. Oh, I do. Absolutely. Thank you, hey, One more thing. One more thing. Yes, sir. Speaking of the Tiffany, uh, I know I'm probably a geek for watching Big Brother, but uh, did you know that there is a bikini barista from Oregon that is part of the cast this year? I mean, is bikini barista, is she one of those chicks who works at one of those drive through places where it's like girls right. with big cans? Right. The only one I know of is the one down in Salem. I'm wondering if anybody knows. Well, there was that one that was, I guess, on McLaughlin or some such. Yeah, there was one that people would go to. Where right? they talked, we talked about it on the air, and then they dropped off a bunch of stuff trying to get free advertising, which they didn't get. But uh, Oh, with yeah. those really tacky mints? Yeah. That place? Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're around anymore. Probably not. Well, well, we'll have to look into it now. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Th thank you, sir. All right. Thank ever. you. Thank ah. you. What was that? <laughs> it's like he was barking or something at the end. It sounded like he was yelling. Uh-oh. Final email, then we'll break. Rick, about Sam Elliott, my neighbor followed him around the Wilsonville Target for about an hour and a half the week before Christmas. You don't do that Sam Elliott. He'll kill you. He'll come around the corner with a rake. All right. You know, I told you I saw Michelle Williams at Fred Meyer. Yeah. Day. That was really random. How weird is I mean, I don't want to be all celebrity stalky, but there's a lot of so there's Michelle Williams, so, Sam Elliott, Gerard Way now does live here, we've been told, from My Chemical Romance. And I'm not going to follow anybody around. Like, I kind of passed her when I was going, I'm like, that's weird. Is there anybody you would follow? Celebrity you would follow? Let me ask you this. Probably if you, not. If you knew you wouldn't get caught, if you knew you wouldn't be seen. Well, you made me that one day follow Michael Ian Black, remember? Yes. yes, I did. Yeah. If you knew you wouldn't be seen, let's say you went to uh, Target, uh, and you knew you wouldn't be caught, is there a celebrity that you would follow to see where they lived? 
Like yeah. if they, like if, even if I know that they live somewhere else. Yeah, now, not, like a, they... not in a creepy way. Like if you just wanted to see their house. Like if you knew you wouldn't be caught, is there somebody that you go, I'm going to follow that guy to see what kind of house he lives in? Well, I would totally follow Britney Spears. Oh, totally. I mean, she, that would that would be the number one because she's so bonkers. Who knows like what places she'd hit on the way home and stuff. What about like the, the My Chemical Romance guy? Nah. Yeah. Meh. Nah. All right. Nah. So does Michelle Williams live here or is it just her family? Um... Because they did that thing in the Willamette about celebrities, siblings that live like Adam Carolla's sister or whatever lives here. I don't know. Mm. I don't think I'm supposed to say. Wait, what? About Michelle Williams? Yeah. Do you know? No. No. No, no, no. I think, no, she's still living in Brooklyn. Oh, I see. Okay. I see how it is. I don't see how it is. Let's take a break here. Back after this, Tim Riley coming up around the corner. Say that's the Rick Emerson radio program. Be back uh, after this. Coming up later on, Jim Roof. Stay there. Screw him. Now, he was going to write me that really crude email that one time. Sir, I'd like you a lot more if you put out. Oh. Uh, all right. Hi, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. So that Kelly Day thing was actually from last night's 11 o'clock newscast. All right, I have to seek it out. Let's see here. Uh, well, we got uh, calls we'll get to here in a few. But, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, it's Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The man who stole that statue of Sacagawea and her baby will only get 50 days in the slammer. Marcus Bologna of Gerhardt pled guilty to charges and included first-degree aggravated theft, first-degree criminal mischief, and abuse of an object. <laughs> abuse of an object? Yes. The aggravated theft charge carries a maximum of 10 years in prison, but because this wasn't a theft of a white person's statue, he got only 50 days. The five-and-a-half-foot bronze statue of Sacagawea and Jean-Baptiste Chauvinot was discovered missing from the Fort Classic National Park near Astoria January 20th. It was worth an estimated $20,000. Malagna tried to sell pieces of the statue to a Portland scrapyard, but was turned down. Eventually, three people in Bend were arrested for selling pieces of the statue for $517. The status of those others involved here is not known. Well, Cliff Robertson of Corvallis dropped out of the Iditarod race because of a cooking accident, according to his wife. He lit his propane stove and exploded. The cooker blew up in his face and burned both his eyes. Wow. <laughs> The, 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 blast, the blast was so hard, it knocked him over. Jesus. Uh, he went back out and completed the race. Oh, uh, apparently, if he went back and completed the race, <laughs> he probably would have ended up with permanent eye damage. Cliff, you, you ain't got no eyes. So uh, the accident happened Wednesday at a checkpoint about a tenth mile the way through the route. He still had 15 dogs and almost a full team when he decided to withdraw. He is extremely disappointed. But he, he, he'll uh, take years of therapy to get his vision back. Jesus. Burned his eye. You don't really think of your eyes burning. You know what I mean? Poked out, maybe. Yes. You know, it gouged in some way. Maybe speared with something. Maybe uh, scooped out with a spoon. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> consumed by fire ants. Mm. You don't really think of your eyes burning. No. That, I mean, burning maybe from like... You know, somebody burns, somebody cooks the steak too long, and it's making my eyes burn. Start thinking about it now. <laughs> I mean, that's just unpleasant. It is. And I'm done. Here's something even worse. An asphalt grinder <laughs> rolls over a man killing him. Oh. Uh, where? Staten. Is that here? 
In Oregon, yes, it's outside of Salem. An asphalt grinder? He, he was killed with the asphalt grinder he was operating at a repaving project in Highway 34 west of Alsea. Rolled out of the bank, but it was previously reported as a fatal traffic crash, but it is now considered something different. Uh, at approximately 9 a.m., the victim, Joshua Moeller of Staten, was operating an asphalt grinder on Highway 34 near Milepost 31. When a portion of the pavement collapsed, the asphalt grinder began to roll down the embankment and rolled over the victim. It's going out like Temple of Doom style. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Yeah. He was employed by Hatch Company, a subcontractor for Knife River Corporation. They were working on the pavement project. This is a section of the highway damaged by an early December storm. Uh, and ODOT advises that flaggers will be working around the clock for several days at this location on a permanent uh, repair job. Pronounced dead and very thin at the scene. New people to hate. Two people have been arrested for theft of a backpack belonging to a young cancer patient. All right, let me get the book. Hold on. This comes to us from the clack. <laughs> of course it does. The Clackamas <laughs> County Sheriff's Office is pleased to announce the arrest of two people believed responsible for the theft of a backpack belonging to a Happy Valley grade school girl undergoing cancer treatment. News reports featured store surveillance images of these three near duels returning stolen objects and clothing proven instrumental in identifying and arresting the individuals. The clothing had been stolen from a vehicle belonging to the victim, Bonnie Lee Scruggs. Portland Police East Precinct detectives who had seen the subject's images on television, recognized two or more of the trio. They brought the names of the suspects to the attention of the uh, clack. Shortly before noontime yesterday, two suspects believed responsible for the break-in were arrested at 13314 Southeast Birch. Stop by and say hello today. Thank goodness for Southeast. Do we have their names? The male suspect, Philip Burton Merriam, that's M-E-R-R-I-A-M, was found hid hidden in a refrigerator. <laughs> And was not compliant, and therefore tasered. Excellent. Tasered in a refrigerator. <laughs> Imagine sitting in a refrigerator. And, I mean, you're thinking, well, this is this is a bad day, but I suppose the worst of it is, ah! You know, they open the fridge. They well, first of you. all, if they tell you to do something and you're stuck in a refrigerator, you should do it. You do have to come on eventually. What are your options if you're in a fridge? Why would you? Maybe what? I'll just move these french fries and crawl into the freezer. No, hide behind this ketchup bottle. What are your options? What what are your options if you're well, hiding? we're talking about people found in Southeast. <laughs> if you're hiding in, in the refrigerator, it, it's not me. <laughs> I'm just doing some defrosting. I'm doing a little defrosting. No, I like it in here. <laughs> I like it in why, here. Why, if you're in a refrigerator, why would you not comply? What is your exit strategy? It's the only way to feel cool in Southeast. <laughs> What possible explanation would you come up with? I can see him putting his hands over his eyes when he opened the door. It's not me. Trying to turn on the little light. <laughs> trying to put his finger on the little switch. Uh, well, what brought them to look inside the refrigerator? I don't know. Were they tipped off that I'm, this person was hiding inside? I'm glad, I'm glad they did, though. I the just wonder... would have been to check the garbage disposal. I just wonder... When he didn't comply, when they opened the fridge, so Philip Burton Merriam, who was in the refrigerator, and, and was not compliant, and therefore tased. What did, what did he think? How did he think he was going to get out of that without complying? I mean, was there a small door in the back of the fridge through which he would make his escape? Mm -hmm. Jesus. All right. And then another woman who apparently, well, there was there was only room for one in the refrigerator. Michelle, <laughs> the fridge is taken. Get Lisa out. Michelle Mathers was arrested uh, without incident. And uh, she's been charged with a whole bunch of things. God damn. Uh, sheriff's deputies indicate this couple is believed responsible for at least 10 additional thefts of vehicles in the Happy Valley area. Most gratifying is the recovery of the stolen backpack <clears throat> of the young girl. 
This gets even worse. This is why these people should be. They're in the book. The backpack contained all the young cancer victims' treasures, including autographed memorabilia. And these are all the things she brought with her to the hospital of paradise. Ugh, all right. Well, the you guy... Know, if, you commit, if you commit a crime, I mean, you you were going to be found. Yeah. I mean, that really... all, all the refrigerators <laughs> in the world... Will not save you. Right. <laughs> it's pretty impressive that he was able to fit inside a refrigerator, though. You don't have to give that up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if it was like one of the big double time... doors. Well, it couldn't have been the double door kind, because then... I mean, that's the kind where half of it's the freezer. It probably, maybe it was like the regular kind, but where the freezer's the, the top third or something. Mm. Philip Merriam and Lisa Michelle Mathers, uh, you are now in the book, and you will be dealt with appropriately at some future time. Fantastic. There you go. Wonderful. There will be a reckoning. All right. Excellent. Tasered in a refrigerator. <laughs> uh, all right. Hi, <laughs> uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. It's it's good, I guess. What's up? Hey, um, I I have a I promise you it's not a distasteful uh, observation about the whole Patrick Swayze thing. Yes. Um, I don't know if you had ever heard of heard of this or not, but um, the movie Heather's. Yeah. There was a there was like Heather Chandler, uh, the one I, I I can't remember the the actual actors and actresses' name, but there was one. Uh, one guy who who was said in that movie is like you know I would never commit suicide or something like that and he later on in real life actually did commit suicide. That is true. Yes, it's the, then, it's the guy. It is the guy who at what's her name's funeral is kneeling in front of the casket and he's praying to God and he says why did you have to kill such hot blank? Oh yeah, right. Such, right. such hot s uh, basically. Uh, he uh, he yeah he he the, I would never commit suicide. Yeah, and then that actor did actually kill himself. Yeah, and then um. Heather Chandler, uh, the one that said to Veronica, "Do you have a brain tumor for breakfast?" Right. She actually did die of a brain tumor. I know, which uh, that's that's a thing I'd forgotten about though until you just started telling me that. I forget there is. I'm gonna say it's a Heather's curse, but you're right. There are a couple weird. There are weird things like that I forgot, and that she was, she was what's her name? She was the Christian Slater's girlfriend. Uh. No, well, no, it was the, the Heather you're talking about that died of a brain tumor. She was the woman that, uh, that fell through the coffee table. Was that her? Yeah. That they gave yeah. her the, the pool cleaner, and she and she fell through the coffee table in her in her uh, bedroom? Yeah, the big blue. Yeah, and she had the big ribbon in her hair? Yeah. All right, yeah, it's a Boy, you know, that what a dark movie that is. I mean, still fantastic, but really just an unbelievably dark film. Yeah, I was reading something just recently that was Winona Ryder that's talking about there might be a sequel or something. Oh, or... No one wants to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> the worst part about it is, and I'm not trying to knock people that have children, but I've told this story before, but if you watch Heather's with the commentary, which is the writer, the director, and the producer all kind of doing the commentary on it, it's the writer who is child-free, uh, still loves me. He says, I love this. This is the best thing I've ever written. This I rule. I wrote Heather's. Then the, the, the director and the producer, though, who have subsequently had kids, mm-hmm. of course, now say, well, if we had to do over again, I don't think we'd make this I film. wish that they'd use the original ending. Oh, yeah, where they all, where, where she, where the school gets blown up and then they have a prom in heaven. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Yeah, the producer woman, she's like, well, I have kids now, so I don't think I'd make this movie these days. So uh, there you go. Kids make you soft. Here's Tim Riley. An Oregon student's research project aimed at weasels has turned up a bigger prize, <laughs> a wolverine. The student said the finding is hugely unexpected. Weasels. The elusive animal scientists feared that they were driven out of the Sierra Nevada long ago by humans. Well, during the research project, the uh, young lady was trying to get pictures of slender brown weasels, the most sought-after kind. Slender brown weasel. But Which, 
I'm sorry. I'm really into slender brown weasels myself. I'm looking for as many pictures of slender brown weasels as I can find. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, in this quest for slender brown weasels, <laughs> they found the elusive wolverine instead. OSU scientists could hardly contain their enthusiasm at the discovery. Was it all just a lead up to that? Was that entire story? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of thought goes into this. I appreciate that. Well done, Tim Riley. My thank you. Oh man, is that for the sways? That's for the sways. Excellent. I mm-hmm. almost played. But a, it's a real story. Is, I almost played a Red Dawn clip this morning, actually, to start the show. I went with Roadhouse, but Avenge I almost me, my son. I, I almost played something. From uh, from Red Dawn. Oh, man. All right. What did they say when they found it, Tim? Too late now. Oh. <laughs> that really... That is fantastic. Red Dawn. Sort of the... Uh... Can't afford to be crying anymore now. No. I won't either one of you ever, ever cry for me again. I'll never do it. Not as long as you live. Where's my dad, Mr. Eckert? I don't know, son. Killed by the Ruskies. <laughs> Taken down by Ivan. The Wolverines have left. <laughs> That's the best line of that movie. Oh, man. I have to go back and watch that. I know that it'll seem like I'm doing it, not just because Patrick Swayze's dying, but I didn't really... <laughs> Sarah doesn't appreciate Red Dawn. I love that movie. Red Dawn. I could it makes have... you proud to be an American. It really... I could have predicted that, actually. Sarah, do you know what Red Dawn is? I'm yeah. not trying to quiz you about whatever, but it, it, Red Dawn is a great film from a bygone era. Um, it is Reagan-era propaganda. Absolutely. It was it 85, yeah. maybe? Came out at the Before height. Top Gun. Absolutely. Uh, the height of the Reagan uh, era. You know, the Russians were still evil. The Soviet Union still existed. People want to destroy us. It, <laughs> it is a movie about literally how we sort of wake up here in America one day and the Russians are invading us. Uh, just, With no resistance whatsoever. No, no. The Russians have just taken in and swept through the country, and we wake up, and Ivan is everywhere. And it's about a ragtag band of, like, high school kids, basically. They get together and fight off the Russian army. I mean, it's really... All on their lonesome. It's terrible, but it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does have Patrick Swayze in it uh, as well. Tim, do you remember the movie America? With a K? The miniseries? That was a... Yeah, I do. It's a TV miniseries, again, about living under Soviet rule... After they had presumably taken over the whole country. So, what a strange era that was. Yeah, everyone was paranoid. Nobody really makes movies. They don't make movies like that. They don't make movies now about, you know, like uh, like Croatia. You know, let's look at, let's hear the China. trailer from this. Uh, Red Dawn. It was rated PG-13 it was just a, for the kids. It was the first PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. Red Dawn was the first film to be rated PG-13. Oh. Here it comes. A bird is flying. It's the proud American eagle, Tim. Oh, that is the proud American eagle. <laughs> no, it's the Reagan era. In our time, they show an old school. No foreign army. Oh, does it end with until Kid, now? Kids walking by McDonald's. 
has ever occupied American soil. I'm calling it until now. Until now. Yeah. Uh -huh. What's going on here, my friend? <laughs> Russians hate you. Patrick Swayze is driving the pickup truck. This is the emergency broadcast system. We are under attack by conventional forces. This is a movie, by the way. A movie trailer. This is not really. This is not true. The Russians are not really invading. Down other parts of the country. Large areas of the Midwest may have been overrun. We should be fine with me. I know who all of you are. They're looking for you. So Patrick Swayze is really the hero. Well, he was the only man who could protect us from the Russians. Wasn't he the football hero or something? He was. Yeah, that's what he thought. They're the only people allowed to be heroes. <laughs> I have to love somebody, Andy. I'm going to die before it happens. Yeah, i got to watch this again. They're grabbing young girls. Oh, as, like, Cossacks. Mm -hmm. So why should we be different? Because... The young girls. Yeah, we Wolverines. <laughs> Were the Wolverines the high school, the, the football team? Yes. Yeah. So the so the football team fights off the Russians. What happened to all the adults? I don't know. It's like a, it's like Children of the Corn. Yeah. Meets. It's like Children of the Corn meets Failsafe. There are only like two adults in the United States, and they're both behind barbed wire. Wonderful. Red Dawn. Do we get a little Red Dawn? That's all you get. Oh, that's too bad. But it did happen in Russian also. Fantastic. Red Dawn. What a terrible film. I gotta go back and watch that again. Yeah, so the so the the in Iron Eagle uh, fashion, the high school football team fights off the Russian army that, that's invading America. And you're right, there are no adults. Only two. They're behind bars. Yeah. It's it's like a whole he who walks behind the rose kind of a thing. Excellent. Wonderful. Goddamn movies are great. All right, here's that Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, when two guys in uh, cowboy outfits offered the sheriff's deputy some donuts, and then the deputies investigated a burglary involving donuts and the prince of the cowboy boots. Really? It didn't take an expert to crack the case. The two officers put two and two together. And uh, under arrest, let's see, Adam Hancock of 21 to Baker City, charged with theft and burglary. They found him and his cousin Vinny. He's 19 years old and from Roseburg. His cousin Vinny. Well, he and his cousin Vinny offered the officers some stolen donuts, but the officers declined. <laughs> Who offers a cop donuts that That's are you... stolen? Well, they they were just trying to be generous. So he, he and his cousin Vinny, shortly afterwards, they investigated a burglary at the store with cigarettes, candy, chewing gum, and the donuts were all missing. Then there were the cowboy boot prints. Uh, his attorney says uh, his client has uh, mental disabilities and is easily led. Hancock told the judge he'd been drinking whiskey before the donut burglary and vowed to pay back the $895 in merchandise. He gets a 10-day jail term. Uh, and uh, Cousin Vinny uh, pled guilty to the same charges last month and got the same sentence. <laughs> drinking whiskey all day before they burgled donuts, which they then offered to the police. And chewing gum, candy, and cigarettes. Where, where was this? Uh, Roseburg. Why would you want to live anywhere else? I mean, that's everything probably in the store in Roseburg. <laughs> they probably say, had, it took much 10 years for a shipment to come in. How much do you have to steal in Roseburg to get $800? The people of Roseburg are starving. All the donuts are gone. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I really wouldn't. This is the best news market ever. Absolutely. Oh, man. 
<laughs> Never have so many crazy uh. white people been gathered in one small space. <laughs> When they, when they gave them easy credit terms on those wagons from the East Coast, they knew what they were doing, didn't they? Really, it really is true. Oh man. Uh, let's see here. What what have we? Here we got Sam Elliott, somebody who bowls with a trailblazer guy, somebody about a trashy wedding, or somebody about Red Dawn. Tim, Red Dawn. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show about Red Dawn. Rick. Uh, Boba Fett here. Hey, what's up, brother? What's going on? Hey, Sarah. Hey, Tim. Hello, Mr. Hello. Fett. <laughs> um, uh, Red Dawn is also the first uh, pairing up of Patrick Swayze and uh, Jennifer Grey. Is that? I don't remember Jennifer Grey being in it. Who is she? She plays, uh, I think she plays Andy, the one who gets, uh, right when she's like uh, flirting with Patrick Swayze, she gets uh, mowed down by uh, one of the uh, <laughs> Russian helicopters. Excellent. I love you for... <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Now, Cena, all I remember really about Red Dawn, I remember two things. One is that guy having to whiz into the radiator because right. they were out of radiator fluid. Uh, that and... Avenge me, my son. That and Wolverines, and then that sequence of the Russian soldiers are running across the cornfield or whatever, and the dudes have, like, barricade... They've built, like, trap doors, and then they all pop up with machine guns that they've somehow acquired. What about oh, yeah. when the Burl Ives guy hit the girl underneath the floorboards because the Russians tried to have their way with her? <laughs> well, it was, it was the only movie that, uh, you know... See Thomas Howell did that. That didn't suck. See Thomas Howell. See Tom. What is he doing these days? We these talked days? about him the other day. Did we? He lost like uh, three. three oh, that's right. That's right. We saw a picture of him. Mm-hmm. He didn't he, look he all that probably, bad actually. He's probably serving fries somewhere. Nobody wants to eat him. Maybe waiting oh. for Soul Man too. Uh, thank you. Hey, speaking of Soul Man, uh, with See Thomas Howell, did you have you seen that photo of Robert Downey Jr. in that upcoming movie? No, I have not. Okay, this is not a joke. Uh, I did. I saw okay. that yesterday. Tim, you will be inter- interested in this, uh, being a fan of, of films and a player in the industry yourself. You will appreciate this. So the new uh, Robert Downey Jr. film, he plays uh, a black man. Oh, uh, I think I've seen that picture. And yeah. it's apparently a satire. And he actually, to his credit, he actually said uh, what this isn't. He actually said this isn't C. Thomas Howell and Soul Man. He said, please don't call it that. But it's a satire about Hollywood, and apparently it's about... Uh, it is a play on the, the, I guess, the sort of the ego of big-name celebrity actors. And I guess he it's, – it's my favorite kind of movie. It's a movie about the Hollywood system itself. And I guess Robert Downey Jr. plays this huge, like, kind of Brad Pitt-style actor. And he's determined to play a certain role because he thinks it'll get him an Oscar. And they go, well, no, you can't play that role. It's for a black man. And he says, no problem. I'm the greatest actor of my time. I'll play a black man. And so – in this movie within a movie, Robert uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character plays a black man, and I saw the makeup. It is unfreaking believable. I mean, you'd never ever guess ever ever ever. I mean, you you would never in a million years guess that that was Robert Downey Jr. It was kind of creepy actually, because it's Ben Stiller, Jack Black, and then as the black man, Robert Downey Jr. So uh, I forget what the movie is going to be called. I think it's going to be called Solomon, something like that. Anyway, so uh, so check out those pictures. They're uh, I think they're on Ain't It Cool. Uh, you can see those. They're, they're pretty weird. Uh, let's get one more. Who wants to hear about a trashy wedding? I do. Who doesn't? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson oh, Show. Rickster. Hi, friend. Hi. I, I got a fabulous story for you. So my girlfriend told me about this. Her aunt, who has been married before, who is trashy, uh, is now getting married again. She was married to a nice, soft-spoken, eloquent dentist for years who got smart got rid of her. And now she's getting married again, and the theme 
for this trashiest of trashy weddings. So this is your trashy aunt? This is my girlfriend's trashy aunt. Your girlfriend's trashy aunt. This yes. is her second wedding. What is the theme? Uh, the theme is, wait for it, not just camouflage, but hunting camouflage. Uh. So that bright fluorescent orange camouflage. So everybody will be wearing hunting camouflage at this wedding. Mm -hmm. Is this just so they can avoid being inadvertently shot by other residents of the community? or uh, uh, Why? How did they arrive at hunting camouflage as the theme for their wedding? Because they're trashy and their dad's their brother. <laughs> okay. That's all, I can, that's all I can get. When is the Thank wedding? Uh, uh, wedding's coming up soon. I, I, I don't know exactly when. Are you exactly attending? I can get, I, I am not. Why not? Oh, come on. Why not? I, uh, well, it's in California. Oh, well, okay. Try to get photos. I, I will, I will try my hardest. All right. Thank you. Uh, best show ever. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, by the way, this guy says, uh, about Red Dawn, and he says, you forgot there's an adult in the group. Powers Booth plays the fighter pilot. Powers Booth. That's a guy you don't really think about a whole lot. No. His first name's Powers? Powers Booth. You know who Powers Booth is? Mm-mm. Uh, he probably hasn't been anything you would have seen. Powers Booth, he played... God, he played... Uh, what's, he played What's His Guts in Nixon. Uh, it wasn't... He wasn't Haldeman. He was one of Nixon's advisors. He... I recognize it. Oh, I don't know from what, though. He played the... What's His Name in Tombstone, the guy that goes nuts and shoots at the moon and then kills the uh, kills the sheriff. All right. Yeah, he's he's got... A, he's a big guy, huge teeth. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. An Oregon woman staying at the Marriott, four blocks from Times Square in New York, says she could feel the building shake uh, during the explosion this morning. She was quoted as saying it was a big bang. Meanwhile, there are some new developments of that explosion. After an explosive device at the Times Square Armed Forces Recruiting Station in New York was bombed this morning. Here's Mayor Bloomberg. After going through all of the security cameras that all the buildings in the area have, we now do have a videotape that shows uh, a person on a bicycle placing an explosive device. We've actually recovered the bicycle. It was abandoned not too far away. Uh, we don't know who the person is. That's pretty good. Out of all the bicycles in New York, <laughs> they... I mean, it is pretty astounding, actually. They described the device believed to cause the explosion. This was not a particularly sophisticated uh, device. It was a low-order explosive in a uh, an ammunition box. An English woman just arrived from London was staying in the room on the 23rd floor of the Times Square Hotel. From my uh, room window, I was looking out from the Marriott Hotel. Um, about 10 seconds after, there was this massive plume of smoke that was even higher than the 24th floor. You know, and um, you just knew that there was some sort of explosion at that stage. It was like a flash of green light, and then nothing, and then a little green globule. I'm sorry, I know it's too soon. Uh, okay, let's do this final uh, call, then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hello. I was away from the radio for a few minutes, so pardon me if I'm what uh, Don says is Mr. 15 minutes ago, but I think technically uh, the last vice president who didn't run for president, now this is technically, would be Walter Mondale because Jimmy Carter, who was the president, ran then himself. Okay, well, yeah, and then so there was a gap between, Mal between Mondale as, I think maybe they meant... Maybe they meant sitting vice president, but maybe not. I don't know, because you know, there was a gap between Mondale as VP and Mondale as candidate, I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting question, because I was going back in my mind, and I think the last sitting one who, who didn't run, 
Gosh, I was going all the way back to the Truman administration, and I don't even know if he had a vice president. <laughs> he, was, he was president enough that he ran the whole joint himself. But back on Walter Mondale for a second, you want to talk about the Democrats love losing? That's the guy right there. If you really want to look at the Democrats and how much they hate to win things, the fact that he was their nominee, Walter Mondale, I mean, God, just really, really, it, 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 it's like he was scientifically engineered in a lab to lose. I mean, really, it was like some sort of a reverse. It was like, he's like the Danny DeVito uh, in Twins. He's just like all the crap in the bottom of the test tube that they put together. Wait, wait, he's like, he's like some inverse $6 million man where he was designed to lose every single state in the union. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could also look at him as sort of the, the serious version of the Pat Paulson presidency. Exactly. There you go. Thank you. Didn't help that he had Sally Jesse Raphael as his running mate. Let us uh, take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley returns around the corner with more news. Uh, more of your phone calls coming up later on. Jim Roop and the top five most sexually awkward songs of the 1980s. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Some radio program. It's 503 I'm sorry about your pizza mishap. You smell that? Oh, yeah. What did you think? Okay, it, I'm gonna, is that like a Weight Watchers? Not Weight Watchers, but you know, like a, one of those Lean Cuisine pizzas? It's a Lean Cuisine one, and I thought I'd grab the garlic chicken, which is like such a good pizza. Yeah. And it's not. What is it instead? It's all mushrooms with mushroom sauce. Leave it upstairs. Somebody will leave it. Yeah, that, no, seriously. Upstairs or in the kitchen. It'll be gone. Ma make like a sign that says, this is a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Just it's sort of like leaving that goat for the T Rex. Put it in the kitchen and then sort of ring a bell and then run away really quickly. Oh, that does smell good. Start to hear here's flapping wings. Oh, I can smell it over here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get it out of here. I'm gonna open this magic marker just to sort of, you know, air out the I room. I like that smell. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Are you really leaving a sign that just says eat me? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm sorry. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll just amuse ourselves. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> That's fantastic. Eat me. Well, <laughs> well, we'll take this. Uh, let's see here. Let me just. Uh... going to be all goldfish crackers all the time. Have fun with that. Here's Tim Riley. Well, I'm talking about uh, this group that is seeking volunteers to get malaria. Uh, but it's good pay. The Seattle <laughs> Biomedical Research Institute... Do they rhyme with CBS? It'll pay you as much as $4,000 to be bitten by mosquitoes infected with malaria. No lives are in danger. Because the volunteers can be cured. The Institute is testing... Uh, which vaccines work the fastest? Now, does malaria... Well, it does kill you. Oh, but then they would... Well, they'd stop it just in time. Well, okay. Now, you can prevent malaria, but can you cure malaria? According to the head of the program, Dr. Patrick Duffy, 
you Dr. Patrick Duffy? Yeah, he's a TV's doctor. Patrick Duffy? Yes. He says volunteers will spend several nights under medical supervision at a hotel. According to the man from Atlantis, malaria can be cured. Now, it takes about a week for the symptoms of malaria to kick in, so be patient. Oops. Do we have more on this? I do. I okay, I demand more information of this. Here we go. Oops. Why isn't this working? Because God hates you. The specified perimeter is out of range for the specified command. Well, of course, Tim. I could have told you that. All right, let's try this again. Doe. <laughs> Did you really say doe? Um, that's fantastic. Let me... Uh... <laughs> what does this mean? I don't know, but at slack moments, you should just like the Wolverine scream. This is really very important oh, for science. It? it is a deadly disease when it's not closely monitored. And the people involved in any study are always taking a risk. But here, the risk is small compared to the huge benefit that we would get if we could find a highly effective vaccine for malaria. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies. So this is, so they give you malaria, mm -hmm. and then they take it away again. Right. Uh, <laughs> so depending on how much malaria you get, I'm suspicious. you'll get two to $4,000 for helping out. Two to $4,000. Right. Now that's the part that sort of... It, it's all in the name of science. But how do they determine whether you get 2000 or 4000 or somewhere in between? I guess it depends on how big the mosquito is. Do they let? Is it like how sick they let you become before so. they cure you? Well, what I are the their, symptoms I have their of malaria here? Really? Imagine a world where people live free from the threat of infectious diseases. Through leadership and scientific discovery, we <laughs> survived to eliminate the world's most devastating infectious diseases. Well, that's not true. This is Seattle Biomedical Research Foundation. What are the symptoms of malaria? Does anybody know? I don't know. You'd have to call them. I'm going to look it up. Do they have a number? Whatever they are, I don't think it's worth $2,000. Well, I mean, unless it's just like sort of a general... It's a not-for-profit organization. If you want their website, it's sbri.org. <clears throat> All right, I'm looking up malaria. A <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> do you have malaria? I do. Yeah, are you okay? You've been coughing a lot today. Uh, well, you know, it's, 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 uh, my wife was asking me about that yesterday. If the problem is... That it, that I just I talk every day, and so uh, I had that you know that nagging cough when I was sick, and I'm I'm way over that. But it's that my throat has never really had a chance to get completely back to normal. It's, it's sort of that tickling cough, and it's just because it, I talk every day, and then I cough, and so my throat is just a, kind of a little irritated still, and it hasn't really ever had a chance to get back to normal. I think probably after the weekend. So it's just because my throat hasn't had a chance to rest like most people do. Uh, let's see here. It is a protozoan parasite. Let's see. Blah blah blah. Well, what does it do? Let's see. It kills you. That's what it does. <laughs> does it really? Of course it does. <laughs> Everything kills you. Mm -hmm. I can't. Let's see. Distribution. So, here we go. Symptoms. Let's see. Symptoms of malaria include fever, shivering, joint pain, vomiting, anemia, hemoglob, hemoglobin? Hemoglobin, hem, hemoglobinuria, and convulsions. Also, tingling in the skin. Uh, all gonna get these symptoms. Also, also a sudden coldness followed by rigor, Ugh. fever, sweating lasting for six hours. Uh, let's see. But you get to stay in a nice hotel. That is true. Uh, let's see. Ba 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 ba. Parasites in your bloodstream. Yeah, this doesn't sound good at all. No, I'm. I think there's an even for four thousand dollars. in your bloodstream. <laughs> I do believe that it does look like that. It gives you parasites in your bloodstream. So, uh, no, I think I'll pass. I think I can make money some other way. No, no, thanks. And the government doesn't have a really good track record uh, in terms of, you know, giving people illnesses and then promising to cure them later. <laughs> All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, it's beginning to look as if Oregon's May 20th primary will matter. In your face. 
So uh, thanks to Texas and Ohio, it looks like Oregon will become a major player. Of course, the primary isn't until May 20th. But it looks like both Hillary and Barack may be here. Really? Yes, they may be that coming. so hot. we gotta get, we got to get Hillary on the show. I have to find I a way to get Hillary in here. No, really. That so is... the governor is backing Hillary. Governor Kulingowski has endorsed her, saying all of Oregon will benefit from the media spotlight. That is fantastic. All right. That's the, uh, really, Hillary and I in one city. It was inevitable. Hmm. Together under the same banner of heaven. Uh, all right, excellent. And so that's May 20th. But May 20th. It, it, well, when, now, when do ballots arrive? Do we know? I would imagine a couple of weeks before that. All Usually right. we have a couple of weeks. Because it's like uh, because the CBS promos notwithstanding that, that tell you the reason to vote is because you can go meet some hot dude. Uh, the uh, you know we all Everything's by mail here. So All right, excellent. Well, that's interesting. I thought so. Uh, men who do housework get more sex. American men still don't pull their weight when it comes to doing housework and child care, but collectively they're not the snipers they used to be. The average man gradually is getting better at picking up after themselves and getting up off the sofa and pitching in, according to a new report. That suggests the payoff for doing more chores around the house is more sex from the ladies. As his wheel is gradually broken. Uh, this is from the Council of Contemporary Families. It summarizes recent study of family dynamics. One found that men's contribution to housework has doubled over the past four decades. They found that they tripled the time spent on child care over the same span. Uh, this is apparently because uh, more women are out in the workforce and aren't home in time to do their regular chores. To do their wifely duties. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, let's see here. Lots of malaria calls. Uh, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Hey, Rick. Hey, Mark. It's is you. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm on the um, first time caller. I'm a little Thank bit you. nervous. Thank you, sir. So, no, don't be um, nervous at all. Okay. You really put me at ease. So I actually... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds no, as though I've, I've eased your mind, yes? <laughs> well, actually, With a I, wave I, of my hand, I took away your anxieties. When, when, I, when I listen to you, I feel like I'm with my friends in middle school and we're just BSing everything. So... So you view me, you view me as a fifth grader. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, okay, so so malaria, right? Yeah, malaria. All right, so so I went to Uganda about a year ago. The Rick Emerson Show. It's malarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Um, well, I went to I went to Uganda about a year ago, and there was a team of like 15 of us. You went to where? To Ghana. Uganda. To Uganda. Why? Um, to spread the word about Jesus. Idiot oh. was spreading skulls. <laughs> I was going to say for a minute, I thought you were going to spread the word about the Rick Emerson show. Um, well, that, that was before. I now, 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 was it actually to spread the word about Jesus? Well, I used to be all Christian and stuff, so I think that's another reason I relate to your show because you used to be you got better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you're in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And we were all taking doxycycline, and that covers about eighty percent of the of the ten or twenty kinds of malaria you can get. Right. And I got the one deadly kind where uh, you get it one time in your life, but then, okay, with most malaria, you get it, and then um, it comes back every once in a while, but it's not that deadly. Right. But this, this malaria, you have one time, but it can kill you. The, you have one time, but if, but if you live through it, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you lived through, live through it, and now that it hasn't killed you, presumably you are inoculated for life. Yeah, exactly. Weird. How well, do they? So how do they tell you that? Are they? Were you like in a tent or something? Sitting and go look uh, about your malaria. I mean, how do they? How do they tell you that you have the kind of malaria that can kill you? Um, I didn't find that out until I went to a little clinic. I just thought it was just regular. <laughs> thought well, I got a cold. I had a heat stroke. Uh. But it was just a really, really bad fever. I was sweating for like ten days, and I lost like twenty pounds. Jesus. 
Yeah, it sucks. And so this is uh, presumably because you were bitten by a mosquito. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, what if we yeah. learned about going to Uganda? Um. Bad idea, Mark. Well, that's that's probably it. <laughs> that's really the lesson. The lesson we have learned is stay out of Uganda. Kenya, uh, Kenya's not too bad though. All right. How did you uh, how did you discover this program? If I may ask. I don't remember exactly. It was uh, soon after I moved to Portland. Excellent. Um, probably like in September, October. I was just flipping through channels and I heard it and I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. From where have you moved, sir? Uh, I, you know what? Actually, I'm from Washington too. Um, Wenatchee. Ah, well, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you. I probably know the guy who said pterodactyl. <laughs> all right. Uh, you, uh, all right. you continue, continue to listen, my friend. Spread the word. Call us anytime, sir. Yes, sir. I thank love you. you. Glad you lived. All right. There you go. And we, we love you too. Uh, let's see. Not as much as Jesus, perhaps. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Uh, you know how um, sickle cell anemia is uh, predominant among people in Africa? Yes, it is. Do you know why that is? It is it's an a of African descent, correct? That is true, yes. but the reason it's because um, if you have sickle cell anemia, you're immune to malaria. Wait, uh, so are they related? No, they're not related. It's just the way that the cells sickle or <laughs> do that little c-turn it the makes it that, that way for some reason the malaria virus the doesn't um interesting doesn't get you and so that's why it becomes predominant because you have scores of people with sickle cell anemia surviving malaria plagues weird all right excellent all right thank you i didn't know that i like to know stuff though thank you sir yeah i'm a weirdo all right well you know you're among friends all right here's tim riley well, here's something uh, the public demands. The president plans to be very active in the upcoming general election Thank campaign. God. Thank God. Uh, White House Press Secretary Dana Perino said the president is very popular among the Republican Party. And she's expressing optimism about uh, all the good he can do. Uh, the president fully expects that Republicans across the board are going to rally around John McCain's candidacy. <laughs> you know, she's hot. I wish she'd come to Portland. That's a woman I could, uh, that's a woman I could spend some time with. I mean, she, you can tell she's mean. She's probably had people removed uh, from the earth, but I mean, she's still kind of hot. But it's it's got to be weird uh, to be John McCain and to be in this position of, like, the president, the single most powerful and influential man on earth, would come to your defense. You just you just don't want him to. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have the single greatest resource in all of politics at your disposal, and yet you can't use it because you know what? I got to tell you, whether it's Obama or whether it's Hillary. I mean, that's all you need to do to win this fall. I mean, they're going to win anyway. But all you need to do this fall is just run up, just, you know, it doesn't even have to say anything. Just a bunch of billboards that have George Bush and John McCain standing right next to each other. That's all it says. It just, you know, that, that, and then it just says, like, vote Hillary at the bottom. Uh, not that anybody's trying to be negative, but uh, could there be a downside to the president's support? I think that across the board, uh, the Republicans are going to support uh, this president and uh, John McCain. Uh, we are going to do what we think will be helpful. But remember, this is not President Bush's campaign. This is Senator McCain's campaign. Mm -hmm. I, I used to sort of have contempt for a lot of the press secretaries. I used to actively loathe them. But, I mean, a as the Bush presidency has sort of gone on, I really just realize it's just a gig. You know what I mean? It's oh, Ari Fleischer has been seen on CNN, and he got rid of his glasses. Yeah, and you know what? He's—I mean, he's still a Republican, but he's—he's he's pretty normal actually. And you can tell that he was just mortified by having to go out there and just just peddle lies, lies every day. Just having to go out and just lie, just spread the most the, the most brackish untruths to the people. Uh, and so it is with Dana Perino. I heard her on. Um, some uh, we were making fun of NPR the other day, but I think it might have been on. I think it was on that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me show or whatever it is, where you it's like it's a news quiz or something, uh, where she where she failed. By the way, it was made out of fail. 
but uh, but she came across as pretty as pretty funny, and you can tell it, it must, it's just a job, I guess. You know, they asked me to be the press secretary. I do that. Why not? You know, pay that we. Well, I mean, we we just make stuff up here for far less than Dana Perino earns. So uh, why not? And we go on for hours every day. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that. No. Uh, let's see here. Um, I are on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Rick. Um, What's up? A couple weeks ago, I was uh, channel surfing, and uh, I came up on that uh, show, Jail, and they were booking O.J. in the back into the Florida uh, jail from his bail bondsman, uh-huh. and it was the best thing ever. Nope. He was talking about his golf swing, and he was just all sunken and stolen. He's like, I was getting ready to go play golf today. And <laughs> it was, I mean, I just sat there and died laughing. And, you know, they just treated him like a regular uh you know, like just a regular teammate, and they they gave him, you know, really no special yeah. preferential no, treatment. But there's going to be no more golfing for OJ. No, OJ has uh, used he's used up his passes. I think exactly. Yeah. And I've got one more thing for you. Um, you guys were a while. You know, this is going back a ways. You guys were talking about you know uh, memorable concerts, and uh, my first uh, concert that I went to was. Uh, at the Paramount with Ozzy um, and Randy Rhodes, Blizzard of Oz, and opening the act was uh, Motorhead and Girls School. Girls School. Oh God, they were throwing bottles at the girls at uh, Girls School, throwing beer bottles at Girls School, and they were all dodging them, and it was Excellent. it was great. And then and Motorhead was just as horrible as they ever were. It was it was it was one of the best shows ever. You know, the thing about Motorhead is, if Motorhead wasn't so awful, they wouldn't be so great. Exactly. I, I mean, they were so bad. They're 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 awesome. I was and, uh, uh, when I was flying back from Provo the last time I had to go to goddamn Provo. When I was there, I was flying back. And I had the, the, my iPod or whatever, and I was listening to, to Motorhead, and it was like Fistful of Aces or something. It was like the best of. And, and it just those, those, especially those early Motorhead recordings are just so awful. They're just bad and sloppy and just over, overdriven, like they're overmodulated and distorted and too loud, and Lemmy can't sing. And it's, but somehow, like Louie Louie, like a, the, the awful parts become a glorious whole, you know? It's just the institution of. of this world. It's true. All right, thank you, <laughs> sir. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thank you. All right, yep. one, one more, and then we'll continue with the news on KCMD Portland. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, this is Doug. How's it going today? Oh, hello, Doug. What's up? Hey, I got an idea for you. You know how May 20th is coming up, and that's the Oregon State primary. Third week of May, fourth yeah. week, yes. <clears throat> well, I thought that uh, I know how you like uh, all the election stuff and, uh, you know, like getting into sitting there and watching the results come in. And I thought... What greater way for Rick Emerson to spend the day, uh, May 30th, but... Uh, Wait, so watch... first it was May 20th, now it's May 30th. Wow, May 20th or It whatever. is, in fact, May 22nd. Okay, May 22nd. Anyway, I thought, what better way than have a Rick Emerson listener party and use it to sell uh, CNN uh, the idea that they should have uh, Miss Lisa Goddard or Lisa Desjardins come out here and uh, be with the Rick Emerson listeners live and in person well, it's interesting after well you know we had uh we sprung roop on everybody last year and we, we did a home movie uh if you were at the party you remember that we did this yep. uh you know because we wanted to say howdy to howdy to the folks who couldn't be with us and so we did this video uh for lisa with like jim in the background just like weaving drunkenly around the stage and like 800 people just d- d- screaming and chanting and i think having seen that uh, I think CNN might be a little uh, reluctant to hand uh, Lisa over to us for any amount of time and subject her to the hordes of, and I mean this with all due respect, drunken maniacs. 
that attend our gatherings. So, good idea, though. I like the way you think, sir. Oh, well, I thought that there would be something that, uh, you know, like you could sell the, the good people down there at CBS and have them bring her out to the West Coast. And, and uh, that seems like one of those things that might look good on the page. Hey, well, I, uh, it would fulfill the dreams of all the listener army out there. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. There you go. That's uh, Doug. Here's Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. More tales from liberal Hollywood. Jack Nicholson is on the YouTube showing his support for Hillary Rodham Clinton. And now, folks, it's time for who do you trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? What? I don't understand. I guess that's Jack Nicholson showing his uh, hubba, hubba. support for Hillary Clinton. I hate Jack Nicholson. I'm not afraid to say that at this point. I know that he's one of our greatest actors. Blah, blah, blah. I no longer care. I hate Jack Nicholson. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. I hate Jack Nicholson, and I hate those guys in Wisconsin that jump into icy water every year. F them both. Here's Tim Riley. So there. Uh, from American Idol uh, last night, uh, Simon Cowell gives Brick White some positive feedback after Paul Abdul... A Brick of White? Her name is Brick, uh, Brick White. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, this after Paula Abdul criticized Brooke's decision to use a guitar during her performance of Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield. I could not disagree with Paula Moore. I think it worked purely for the reason that you didn't have the band with you. Therefore, you did an original take on the song. The song normally would never, ever suit you. You made it into a completely different type of song. And once again, two weeks running, you've done a great performance. Wait, what song? Love is a Battlefield? Love is a Battlefield. Yeah, all right. Uh, boy band promoter Lou Pearlman told a federal judge in Orlando that he is accepting full responsibility for his role in a scheme that defrauded banks and individuals out of hundreds of millions of dollars as part of his transcontinental companies. After his client pled guilty to pleas to conspiracy, fraud, and money laundering, his attorney, uh, Attorney Peacock, said his client has plenty of work to do. This is the beginning of a long process, and we'll, we're, Lou's going to do the best he can to, uh, to make them whole. Whatever. All right. I was going to make a Pit of Star like joke and blah, 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 and job of that. He's just a big, fleshy, doughy, pink bastard. He's always been so creepy looking. He's, just, uh, he's unbelievably blubbery and creepy. And he'll get away with it. Yes, he will. Rich people always do. Uh, Southwest Airlines flew thousands of passengers on aircraft that the feds have found to be unsafe as recently as last March. Documents submitted by FAA inspectors to congressional investigators allege that the airline flew at least 117 of its planes in violation of mandatory safety checks. In some cases, the planes flew for 30 months after government inspection deadlines had passed <laughs> really? and should have been grounded. The planes were not airworthy, uh, calling out one of the worst safety violations ever seen. Uh, one politician is expected to call Wonderful. a hearing as soon as possible. You know, the airline carries uh, more passengers in the U.S. than any other airline. Uh, we're not doing interviews. We're only preparing for the hearings at this time, said the Southwest spokesman. So uh, apparently they also allege that some management officials at the FAA uh, knew the planes were flying unsafely and did nothing about it. The result of inspection failures and enforcement failures has meant the airline has flown unsafe and unworthy planes for quite some time. So don't think about that the next time you fly, whatever you do. Mm. The planes look good. They get new paint jobs. <laughs> the trains run on time, Tim. That's what's important. Mm -hmm. Did you see that thing about that uh, that clinic in Las Vegas that's been reusing the same needles and syringes for like five years? They're very thrifty. 40,000 people. Mm -hmm. Oh, good Lord. Thrifted with dirty needles. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and I guess some of them. Is it a hospital or just? It's like a clinic. It's a, I don't know if it's a free clinic, but I think it's like a, you know, like a little like a dock in the box kind of a thing. It's like a 24-hour. I think it's like an urgent care kind of a place. Mm -hmm. But found out that for three and a half years, let's just reuse these syringes. 
And I guess that any number of their patients had hepatitis Q or whatever, the bad kind. So that's no good. I guess that uh, Nicholson clip was Batman. I have tried so hard to block everything from that uh, Nicholson Joker Batman movie, like, out of my head. I've tried to flush it all out of my brain. So there he goes from that. I still hate him. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile, the FAA says the Air Traffic Controllers Union is lying about a near collision involving a Delta flight over Cincinnati. Both sides have released conflicting information of how close the flight's claimed uh, to another plane will en route to New York on Tuesday. The FAA said the union is sensationalizing the incident, trying to force negotiations on the current labor contract. Uh, the agency said there was never any danger of two planes colliding with each other. So somebody's lying somewhere. Uh, you know that uh, sharper image, that gift card you got for Christmas? Well, right now, it's worthless. Uh, and some of the other gift cards in your wallet could lose their value, too. As more retailers file for bankruptcy or go out of business, more than $75 million in gift cards at risk of becoming worthless. Uh, well, they knew this was going to happen. They had to use them right away, they said. Uh, people love gift cards, but now it makes people think twice. Chopper Image announced last month that it is suspending the acceptance of gift cards, at least temporarily. It urged Choppers to check the company website later this month for an update. Yeah, I wonder what the update like... might be. <laughs> no, it's just, a, it's just a big red X. Go away. It doesn't seem like that ought to be legal. I mean, you know what I mean? If it doesn't you, seem to be, but people are doing it all the time. If you, if you just, ex, it, I mean, it, it seems like that ought to be exchangeable for goods and services. Doesn't seem like they have to be able to that. Exactly. So, all right. Well, I'll have to, but that's okay. I've moved off of sharper image. I uh, after my bad experience with the scale. Forward? No, I've, yeah, I've I've, mo I've moved forward with something. I'm gonna, I'm either gonna purchase things exclusively from the SkyMall catalog, Brookstone if I have to, uh, or from Amazon, which is where I got my uh, my scale here. So we just received additional information about actor Patrick Swayze's cancer diagnosis and treatment. His publicist says that uh, Swayze is now undergoing chemo and has not lost his hair. His daily routine remains unchanged. She adds that it is not clear how long the treatment will last. She also said that Swayze was not diagnosed with cancer in January, some reports have claimed, but much more recently, and his cancer has not spread. Uh, yesterday, his physician, Dr. Patrick George, told people that Swayze has a very limited amount of the disease, and he appears to be responding well to the treatment so far. I mean, I always just sort of assume that everything a publicist says is at least deeply misleading, if not outright uh, false. Right. So Publicists are paid big bucks to lie. I mean, really, they are the Ari Fleischers of the Hollywood world. So, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Well, whatever. I mean, I, I always figured that the, there's what the... There's what there's what the rumor mill says. There's what the publicist says, and then there's the truth, which is somewhere in between. So uh, clearly, it's not a uh, not a good situation, regardless. More from Hollywood. TV personality Brooke Burke and Baywatch alumnus David Charvet are now parents. Uh, Burke gave birth to a baby yesterday morning, and uh, mommy and the baby are both doing fine and healthy, as they always say. The son, whose uh, name is not yet revealed, is the second child for Burke and Charvet, who also welcomed daughter Heaven Rain. Uh. In January 2007, heaven, sounds like something you put in your hair. They, the couple has been dating since 2005. They became engaged in August 2006. Burke has also uh, two daughters, Naraya and Sierra Sky. Wait, so, so really, are they all strippers? Oh, I mean, Lord. really, are they? Is, wait, was she the rock star supernova? Yeah, woman? Brooke Burke yeah. just seems like she'd have a lot of kids. It's funny how I've just blocked it. You know, that whole rock star supernova thing is just, it's so it's weird that as soon as it really was as soon as Storm uh, left the show, like immediately we just quit caring about it. Mm -hmm. As soon as, as stu and Storm, you're going home. Me, shh, done. I mean, I already have my plane ticket, so I went to see it the next week. 
But it's funny how I've just it just sponged all of that off the surface of my brain, especially Brooke Burke, who looked weird in person. I have to say that. You have to do your impression, please. I don't, even, doing your like, I don't even remember. Now, here, remember oh, uh, but I don't even know if I can I do it anymore. I can't remember the dialogue anymore. Over 325,000 votes were cast. I don't even see. I don't even think I'm doing it well, though. I That's think pretty I've, good. I think I've forgotten it. I think I have. You know what it is? It's like it's like when you're, you're cleaning up your desktop. Like I don't need this file anymore. It's just taking up space. Trash. I think my Brooke Burke impression. I decided I was never going to need that again, and I, I, my brain decided it was expendable. So I no longer have yeah, to do that. I can't remember. I'm replacing the dialogue from like um, America's Next Top Model. I don't even. And I now don't the judges will she deliberate. Had terrible hair extensions in person. That's all I remember. And she was bony, bony, big bag of sticks is what she looked like. So uh, well, all women out there look like. That. No, it's true. Uh, and she has what? Four kids? Three kids? Yes. And they're all and they're all named Heaven, Purple Rain, Heaven, Heaven Rain, and Daisy Charmaine. And, all right, Daisy Jane. MTV is reportedly saying no thanks to Paula Abdul's comeback video. The clip for Dance Like There's No Tomorrow apparently failed to pass muster with the network's programming jury, and as a result, will not be aired on MTV. So it's more of a dance like nobody's watching. A rep for the music video channel says, quote, There are currently no plans to play the video. Nobody's watching. Produced by fellow American Idol judge Randy Jackson, the video actually premiered on MTV, but critics... Uh, reportedly uh, dismissed it as dated with their cycle of dance routines. And what with it being sung by a 90-year-old? Yeah. Uh, Dancing Like There's No Tomorrow appears on uh, Jackson's star-studded album, Randy Jackson's Music Club, Volume 1. <laughs> <laughs> you mean this album? Oh, wait, you've got it? Right here. I didn't know you had that. I've had this for like months. I don't. I just Why? Never listened to it because Crank Dave's the old it Let's hear a couple. <laughs> Please tell me that it came with a cover sheet. All Is right. there information? It also has contributions from Mariah Carey. Thank God. Going Angel for Stone. rhythmic airplay. I don't. Let me, let me see here. Uh, I don't understand. Why is the Paula Abdul song on a Randy Jackson album? Did he produce it? Of course he did. Is well, this like his bid uh, to be? He's his bid to be a Neptune. It's called Randy Jackson's Music Club, Volume 1, so there's got to be a sequel. Oh, okay, so these must all be songs that he has produced. Wait, hold on, before we go any further here. Uh, look, I, I, okay, I, I know I gotta, uh, I'm, I'm an idiot because I don't know these things, but, okay, Simon Cowell is a record producer. I now, guess so, yeah. is that true, though, or is that a thing that people just say? Because I have never in my life heard someone say, well, you know, that hit album was produced by Simon Cowell. In Britain, he has. Has he produced yeah. anything that I would have heard of here in the States? Maybe not. They're boy bands from the UK. But like a take that kind of a thing, yeah, maybe? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really honestly... I mean, No, it, he, he has worked in the past. Okay, so, the, so it's not like a made-up thing. He no. has actually been a record producer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Paula Abdul, of course, Lush. And then Randy Jackson... Is Randy Jackson a record producer as well? What is? Who is he? I think he's a producer. But it, but it, now he, but again, do you know if he's produced anything we would be aware of? I think he's mentioned it before, but I don't remember. I mean, it doesn't say that he's. Yeah, let's see. Does it say the record is produced by him, or is it just like a branding thing? No, produced his name by has? Obi and Josh for the chairman of boards. So it's it's one of those. Uh, so it's just one of those things where he presents the the music. Uh, sort of like, uh, you know what it is? Okay, this is the musical equivalent like of Clark. It, or I was going to say the literary equivalent to this is when it's a collection of short stories edited by somebody famous, and they put his name, like there's this uh, book called Talking with the Angels, which is a whole collection of short essays, but it's like edited by Nick Hornby. And so it says in huge letters, edited by Nick Hornby, in giant letters. <laughs> 
Uh, and you know, he doesn't do anything. David Sedaris does that same thing. A bunch of a bunch of short stories by talented writers edited by Nick David Sedaris, and there's a giant print. So maybe that's what this is. I'm going to put Randy Jackson into Wikipedia. Randy Jackson. Okay, so this is a. Let me see here. Randy Jackson going for rhythmic airplay. Wait, so it says he's a Grammy-winning producer. What? I don't know. In his 20-year music career, Randy Jackson has contributed to more than 100 gold and platinum albums, which have sold more than 200 million albums worldwide. Uh, with American Idol, Randy Jackson is seen by more than 30 million people weekly. Combined, these artists have sound-scanned more than 86 million uh, CDs, going for rhythmic airplay. That's where you only uh, play it uh, three weeks out of the out of the month. Uh, all right, so Randy Jackson. Here we go. He is an American record producer, according to Wikipedia. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to be willfully ignorant. I just don't know. Uh, let's see. His numerous credits range from playing with Aretha Franklin, Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, Bob Dylan, Michael Bolton. Apparently, he played at the Grand Old Opry. He played in bands with Carlos Santana and Jerry Garcia. Okay, well, I guess he actually did stuff. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, my gosh. He played bass on um, Like a Prayer. Really? Yeah. He played bass on... Well, then he's fine in my book. He's, okay. There you go. Randy Jackson is okay so in my book. his latest musical oh, creation? Yes. <sighs> Who wants to listen to his latest creation? I do. I want to kick All right. Now, ideas. this isn't the Paula Abdul thing, though. I know. It says Randy Jackson featuring Barbie Esco. And it's called My R&B. All right. Let's go ahead and give it a give it a spin. It's hit bound. For the racks and stacks, it's the best on wax. Oh, I like the triangle. Is that a triangle? In my no, left, I don't my think left it ear there. Like it anymore. There's a triangle. I'm old. I can't understand that. <laughs> What's this for? I can't understand that. It's a thing. I just breathe in the lyrics. I think that's Randy Jackson right there. <laughs> or a speaking spell. He also played with Journey. I know, he played in the Raised on Radio album. Awesome. I just saw that. Well, all right. Good enough for Madonna, good enough for me. All right, excellent. Jesus. Do you realize... Okay, here's another thing. Do you do you realize he he produced... Um, Let's see. Um, He toured with Striper. Jesus. Oh, that is good. And Jesus. <laughs> Okay. Well, fair enough. All right. Good for you, Randy Jackson. Best of luck. Um, I did that. Listening to that makes me feel old, though. I mean, I've never been much of an R&B fan. I have a very limited taste for R&B. Uh, but I mean, I would say within the last five or seven or eight years, I have completely and totally lost whatever touch I had with R&B music. Uh, and it's not. And it really, I would say maybe pop music. Sort of, sort of top forty pop music. Me too, in general. or like top forty hip hop. I don't know. All my, all my friends are like, let's go dancing. I'm like, I would rather sit at home and watch Dexter on a Friday night than like go out and try to dance to Soldier Boy. No, <laughs> Jeez. it's true. And it's no offense, because a lot of my friends they're intelligent, great girls, but I don't get it. Oh, I no. don't. Well, you know what? Uh, I gotta say this, and maybe it's not an age thing because uh, Terry, who is the street team girl, uh, she goes out with me on Wednesdays for the door-to-door things. She's about my age, uh, and uh, it would be I- impolite of me to tell her, but she's about my age, and she listens. I'm not gonna say she has bad taste in music, but I will say that she does listen to a lot of stuff that sounds just like that, 
And I mean, and I, I really just, it, it's not even that it's bad. I just don't, I don't even know whether it's bad. And that really does make me old because I don't even know if I like it. That's true. We're not educated enough about it to know whether or not it's good or it bad. It just slides right off my brain. So, all right. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, speaking of music, uh, Bill Haley is, is being honored. He's the newest inductee into the South Texas Music Hall of Fame. Uh, Haley had a home in South Texas in the community of Harlingen, uh, that's where he died in February. Why is he being honored since he's been dead for 27 years? Well, anyway, he once was alive there, and uh, he's being honored in South Texas. One of the last surviving veterans of World War One has been honored by President Bush at the White House today. Frank Buckles is 107 years old. Mr. Buckles is mine, as sharp as memory. <laughs> that's where, that's where W went. Some interesting uh, anecdotes. So Mr. Buckles has a... Vivid recollection of historic times. I'm sure. Mr. Buckles is unveiling a photographic Mr. exhibit. Mr. 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 Buckles sounds like a children's character of some kind. A Mr. Buckles. <laughs> Hi, Mr. kids. Buckles I'm Mr. Buckles. Sharp, his memory is crisp. Don't talk to strangers. Some interesting. All right, you're done, W. Fantastic. Um, you know what? It, when I check into hotels from now on, Mr. Buckles. That's going to be my name. Uh, Buckles F. Cringely. That's that's going to be my new name. All right. Um. Let's see. Uh, Simon Cowell signed a number of acts to S Records that made a mark on the pop music world, including, these are all British, uh, The Curiosity Killed the Cat, Sony Evans 5, Westlife, Ultimate Chaos, Yeah. I, oh, and the Teletubbies record. So there you go. All right, here's uh, I have something for you guys. Oh, God, is it awful? Is yeah. it Mr. Buckles? <laughs> oh, fantastic. Hey, I'm Mr. Buckets. I'm Mr. Buckets. Porsche balls in my top. I'm Mr. Buckets. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Buckets. <laughs> Walls in a room. I'm Mr. Buckets. The game's Mr. Bucket. The first to get their balls in, and Mr. Bucket wins. But look out, because the balls will pop out of his mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The balls pop out of my mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. A ball is what I'm about. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all going to run. I'm Mr. Bucket. <laughs> Mr. Bucket from Milton Bradley. Fantastic. Wonderful. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hi. Hi. Hey. I listened also to that NPR episode that had uh, the White House. Dana Perino. Yeah. Did you not find it very, very alarming that uh, her her knowledge of the Cuban Missile Crisis which came <laughs> yes, up? Her, I don't know. Her grasp of political events, both past and present, was a little uh, shaky, let's say. So yeah. that's okay. She really doesn't have to know anything. She just has to know enough to go out there and, and spin fiction for the press corps, who will gladly consume it. Well, I guess, but you know what? Working for the federal government like that—that's that's a little alarming. I mean, it's not a Playboy Bunny Club or something, you know, where she should be getting paid for having great legs. Well, but yes, probably related to W with that kind of, uh, you know, ignorance is bliss. Now she's got that. She's she's hot, but she's got Dana Perino, who's the White House press secretary. She is hot, but she has the same freakish eyes that Cindy McCain has. I mean, Sidney McCain has eyes that look like they ought to be shooting lasers at Tokyo. But there's something really wrong with that woman's face. Uh, she has eyes that have consumed the souls of thousands. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Now the Chinese are trying to kill you while eating breakfast. 482,000 toasters made in China are being recalled. They're uh, imported by Hamilton Beach, and they're being recalled because they stay on even though you take your toast out. <laughs> Toaster. I barely knew her. There are 63 reports of toaster fires. Uh, no serious injuries yet. They're sold online and at department grocery, home, and mass merchandise stores around the country. That's with them by name, Hamilton Beach Toasters. I'd like a toaster that will kill me, please. The That's like my iron the other day. 
I turned my iron off, and I swear to you, I came back about five minutes later, and the iron had turned itself back on. I don't know that that's the case, but it did seem very sort of maximum overdrive. And that is why you should not use. No, I haven't looked. I should look at the side of that. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, From Florida comes the word. From where? Florida. Damn it. Oh, and now I've closed my entire cardomatic. All right. Good. Fine. Uh, deputies in Orange County, Florida, are looking for two women caught on tape power washing a young child at a car wash. Wow. It shows two women pulling into one of the bays of the Hyundai Elantra and then using the high-pressure washer to spray the child with cold water all over her body. The manager of the car wash said she heard uh, one of the women uh, scolding the child and telling them they would continue until their behavior improved. The manager was not able to get the license plate number. Uh, they're not worried the child could be in danger of even more abuse. Jesus, power washing a baby. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop. Spraying the baby. That's why we was like, stop, stop. You're spraying the babies. You're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. No, they didn't. All right, here's Tim Riley. So this was sent to me by people who pay attention to such things. On the average today, actually, on the average a year ago, it cost $44 to fill up a gas tank. Today, 55 Going back to 2006, it was $38, 2005, 32 and the least, 1999 cost $21 to fill up your gas tank. So it's been, let's see, going up uh, progressively and not really dropping at all. No, and of course, I'm the surprise of no one. And I had, I had a real strong start. I bicycled Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then not, yes, I knew I wasn't going to bicycle yesterday. Yeah, I just, I knew it wasn't going to work out. But then today, I meant to, and I overslept. So now, of course, I feel like an ass. And it, and I, and of course, it, my wife called dibs on the car. So I have the, uh, you know, I'm driving that huge the, the truck it, it, where it's like it takes so much gas that you can actually watch the needle fall as you're sitting there in traffic in the morning. Mm. So, all right. Oh, this morning on the max, there were policemen checking tickets. And one lady who didn't have one sitting in back of me said she was arguing with the man saying she didn't have a ticket because she hasn't been paid yet. <laughs> really? Like, you were supposed to exercise some leniency. I'm going to do that the next time I go to Safeway. I'm just going to walk out with a... With, I'm going to walk out with several frozen hams. And then just say, well, I haven't been paid. You, you know how it goes. You understand, don't you? Apparently he didn't. Jesus. He what did he do? What was the how, What was the resolution of that? I don't know. I didn't want to turn around. <laughs> I just <laughs> cranked up my iPod and continued to read my magazine. Just continue. I, it was loud enough for me to take out my earbuds, and I listen to things cranked up, as you know. Yes, yes, I do. So, so it was loud enough for me to take out one. Just doing your best to avoid all humanity on the max. And it works. Yeah, of course. It works very well, and I love it. You know, and can I do, and have you noticed this, that there is no one who uh, sort of argues more vociferously than someone who is clearly in the wrong? Yeah. Like someone someone who is just, you know, maybe it's an honest mistake or or, or, or they did it inadvertently or, or it's just a little bit, you know, the coloring outside the lines just a little bit. They're always really reasonable about it. And, mm-hmm. and here's the thing. Have you noticed this, too? Someone who hasn't really done anything that badly, like uh, like someone, like, have you ever done this where you go to the cash register and there really has been a mix, mix up in the price tag? They think it's $1.99. They ring it up as $7.99. Mm-hmm. And the woman goes, well, I, I thought it was $1.99. And the woman says... I'm ringing it up here with the barcode. It's, it says seven ninety nine. And usually, those people for whom it's an honest mistake, they'll go, "Well, you know, whatever. I mean, if it's you know, if it's seven ninety nine, I mean, what, whatever the price is, yeah, that's that's fine. I'll you know." But but someone who is clearly in the wrong, they're always the ones who just get really angry about it. I, I saw that happen at Fred Meyer. And of course, when you bring back your receipt, you it indicates exactly what you bought that you're yeah. returning. And whatever item that this person was returning was not on the receipt. Well, his argument was, this is what I was given. Well, you weren't given that. You're just grabbing any receipt, trying to bring anything back to try to get your money. And it's obvious that you're lying. This is the receipt I found in the parking lot. Come on.
Yeah, so and they I, think they're in the right and continue to argue and think they, they're going to get the audience forever with this manager until the guy just walks away. Well, and, and, and it's such as with the woman on the max where the guy says, do you have a ticket? Well, no, but I haven't been paid yet, so yeah. well, you'll need a ticket. I, I told you I haven't been paid. It's like the more ludicrous your argument, the more angrily and stubbornly you must cling to it. Mm. Goddamn people are stupid. Yep. All right. Oh, do you want to read this story? Oh, yes. All right. I don't know what it is. Read, read this without... Don't pre-read this. I pre-read it. You well, should not pre-read be anything it. out of the ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that that's true. Any other day? <laughs> I think... I Wait, hold on. Let me double check something. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. I haven't looked. No, no, no. It's an amusing story. All right. I forgot to give it to you uh, this morning, but I thought I should give it to you now. All right. Okay, I'm going to turn it around and start reading. Okay. Please. Man asked teen to pull out his tiger. This is from Florida. Wait. No, I, even knowing I forgot I failed there. All right. A St. Petersburg man is charged with six counts of unlicensed practice of a healthcare professional. 69-year-old Richard Thomas O'Toole performed mental health counseling services. St. Petersburg police say he often used hypnotic techniques during his therapy sessions as he provided mental health counseling for a variety of issues, including therapy for weight loss, substance abuse, ADD, smoking cessation, and pet grieving. Uh, police started their investigation of O'Toole in 2006 after receiving a complaint from a 17-year-old who uh, did yard work for him. The team told investigators O'Toole told them he was a doctor and began a conversion uh, conversation about penis size. Investigators no, said... okay, I'm a doctor. He then asked the uh, the teen to pull your tiger out. There you go. The police investigation of O'Toole turned up six victims of unlicensed practice of health care professionals. <laughs> O'Toole. Uh, they said he was a member of the board of directors of the First Unity Church of St. Petersburg. O'Toole advertised in the church bulletin and held sessions at the church until the spring 2007. The victims are members uh, or former members of the First University Church. In 1997, O'Toole was convicted of simple battery for asking a 17-year-old boy about his tiger and grabbing at his penis twice. Please believe there are other victims out there. If you are a victim, if you are a victim, please call the St. Petersburg Police Crimes Against Children's Unit. If you have been asked about your tiger, please to be calling the police. All right. I know you'd appreciate that. All right. Fantastic. That really did it. That had everything. It had Florida. It had, he's a priest, or, you know, pastor. Yes. It had, if you've been a victim in Florida, which, like, I think just by dint of having been born in Florida, the odds are you are both victim and perpetrator. Um, <laughs> you, um, and, uh, and then, of course, it has, let me see your tiger. So, uh, fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. A drug stolen from a cancer patient may have caused the death of a Catoosa County teenager and has led to the arrest of one of his friends. The body of Timothy Smith, who was 16, was found over the weekend. Catoosa County Sheriff Phil Summers said Smith had taken 480 milligram of pills given to him Friday by a classmate at Ringgold High School. Three other students, including the suspect, also took several pills and became sick. Uh, Sheriff Summers says investigators believe the 15-year-old suspect stole the drug from his grandfather's lockbox. Uh, it was used as a pain reliever. It is a time-released drug. They were probably educated about the drug. Took a couple of pills and felt no effect, so... Why not take more? Do, take more. <laughs> they knew something was wrong, but it was too late. Uh, the youngster faces voluntary manslaughter and drug charges, so he prosecuted as a juvenile. 
It's a tragic loss for the school. Uh, All the employees I'm are sure it sounds school. like it. Well, so these children, these mis- mis- where, what school is this? Where is this? Uh, Catoosa County, Georgia. All right. So these teenagers stole drugs from a cancer patient. Yes. And and it's a terrible loss for the school that one of them is dead and the other one's going to jail. Yes. Uh huh. All right. Whatever. All right. Let's do one more and then uh, and then I'll uh, play us in a break with something here. Well, Joe Francis is trying his darndest to get out of jail, but it's just not working. The Girls Gone Wild creator just lost his bid to be released from jail in Nevada without being extradited to Florida. He's been in jail for almost a year. Uh, He is uh, facing trial for tax evasion in Nevada. Being in Florida, he's wanted on charges relating to his filming of underage girls during spring break of 2003. He made millions of dollars selling videos of drunk women exposing themselves and engaging in sexual acts. With all that money, he could have hired a better accountant. I was just going to say, would you, do you not wonder about the, you must, about these guys who make $5 billion, hire somebody to do your books. Like I Richard mean, Hatch. Yeah. He's going to be in jail for like the next, well, like seven years because he didn't pay his taxes on his winnings. I mean, survivor. hire somebody to balance your checkbook. Just do it. Look, here's the thing. Just do it. I have someone do my taxes and I make nothing. Okay. I work in radio and I hire someone to do my taxes. You know why? Don't want, don't want to miss something. So, you know, if you're that guy, and, and frankly, I don't understand guys like that who have made that much money, and yet I, I, I guess maybe they're just, he just wants to stay in business or he's driven to succeed or something. But for me, once I've got $12 million in the bank, uh, no one's ever going to see me again. Uh, you're going to go to my house, and it's going to be like the Mosquito Coast. Doors open, dishes still in the sink, curtains waving in the breeze. What happened to Rick? I don't know. He just vanished. And that's it, man. Uh, it's it'll be, it'll be living in a living in a treehouse in Belize for the rest of my life. That's I just so that guy uh, and that guy his life is gonna suck. I mean, as much as being in prison sucks anyway, mm-hmm. being the Girls Gone Wild video guy, uh, that's gotta be. And does that mean that you can't buy Girls Gone Wild stuff anymore? Is it off the market now? Oh, I don't know. I haven't tried to buy it. Because I think they they hit him for he claims inadvertently, which I which I would buy inadvertently taping some underage girls. So I wonder if that's then if that stuff has then been taken off the market. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, let us uh, take. I'll play a little something in the break. We had a request for this, so uh, I will uh, play us in the break here. Come back. More from Jim Riley around the corner. Uh, coming up later on. A great top five, right here. And uh, we have the top five most awkwardly sexual songs of the 1980s. Uh, we have that later on. Jim Roop will join us. Uh, we have more Geek Watch, I think, uh, coming up. And uh, it is High Concept Thursday, so we'll do that later on. All right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We played this. Last week, I think, something like that, uh, we had a request for it again. So this is uh, Jonathan Colton uh, and Code Monkey. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Code Monkey, get up, get coffee. Code Monkey, go to job. Code Monkey, have boring meeting. Boring manager, Rob. Rob, say Code Monkey, very diligent, but his output stinks. His code not functional or elegant. What do Code Monkey think? Code Monkey think maybe manager wanna write goddamn login page himself. Code Monkey not say it out loud. Code Monkey not crazy. Just proud. Code Monkey likes Cheetos. Code Monkey likes to have a Mountain Dew. Code Monkey very simple man. With big warm fuzzy secret heart. Code Monkey like It is the 
Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow we'll be joined by Aaron Geek in the city, Duran. Uh, he's going to be bringing his D20, by the way, uh, with which we will uh, will give away the, the 20-sided die. Oh, okay, cool. We're going to use that to uh, we're going to use that to, to give away some DVDs. We got Into the Wild on DVD. Uh, we're going to be giving that. And also tomorrow we'll be joined by Stu uh, from South Sea Connection. Uh, that's the, uh, are you ready to meet the Asian woman of your dreams? And they're like bald men, apparently. <laughs> Am I heard this spot? <laughs> well, you know who won't date bald men is Kristen Bowie. I've heard that about her. <laughs> I heard she's especially opposed to bald men. What's up, poor girl? Sam. I was talking to her in the kitchen today. <laughs> Where are my keys? <laughs> I was talking to her in the kitchen today, and her face is bright red. She's like, oh, my God. So the sales guy approached me. He's just like, hey. How many stories start that way? The sales guy approached me. He's like, hey, can you just cut this random liner for me? And she thought it was just for, you know. She didn't know what it was. No, not only didn't tell her at all. And now she's the voice of the, I don't date bald men. Seriously. Well, that's like those things stick like the, uh, damn it, I am sick of these download sites. Like that thing that Fat Boy did. So you do that, What you do one of those lines, man, people people remember that. Well, anyway, um, so, uh, so that guy. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be here t- tomorrow in the studio. Every time that spot runs, I do say this: it's an effective radio commercial because every time it runs, what's that? Every time that spot runs, an angel gets its wings. Yes, and a uh, well, never mind. Um, but uh, <laughs> anywho, but every time it runs, I get people who are like, "I just heard that spot. Really? Is that real?" So uh, you bet. the guys actually get it. So we're gonna any time that many people respond to it. Uh, we're gonna we'll we'll milk that. Well, I'm responding because I don't know what it is. But I, it's a whole uh, hemisphere of Asians looking for love. Uh, apparently, are so. they looking for marriage? Or are they looking for a good time over the internet? A good time. Good Asian Amer- women looking for a good, good time. American men. Um, so well, would mediocre you, ones. I could read. <laughs> I could read the ad if you'd like. Sure. Are yeah. you ready to meet the woman of your dreams? Uh. So this is for those looking for a commitment, obviously. Well, I I don't know. It says, are you tired of the high-maintenance American woman dating scene? (laughs) Ever consider establishing... Uh, no. High-maintenance American woman. Every, uh, ever consider establishing an honest, sincere relationship with an Asian lady, but don't know where to begin? Then come join us at one of our South Sea Connection seminars where where we will introduce you to the alternative... Beautiful, slim, unegotistical, caring, non-materialistic, highly educated, monogamous, romantic, loving. Just well, they're the per- opposite of American. Really, women. they're perfect. No, I, what's not to love? <laughs> Asian women. Uh, we are not an escort service. What we do have is a proven, systematic uh, solution for American men to connect with Asian women for a meaningful, healthy, and loving relationship. Let us help you achieve your relationship goals. Uh, seminars begin March 29th in Gresham. So, so there are things to learn. Yes, apparently, well, this, I guess, apparently, there's a learning curve. So the guy, Stu, uh, one of our proud advertisers and sponsors, whom we respect and are grateful to, mm-hmm. uh, will join us on the program tomorrow to answer whatever questions anybody might have about that. So how can I say I that? Write down really, those questions. Yeah, I really wish that I could go undercover and, like, do, like, a she's the man you don't kind of look, thing. And... You don't look Asian. Nope. So you I'm would like to go undercover it. and see how it works? Yes. So, well, you know, I could. Richie could. I don't think Richie's going to give us an unbiased. Richie's going to be too busy getting out his wallet. He's I would like think five. What did he say yesterday? I'm going to get me a harem. Well, that's the place to start, I would imagine. <laughs> so, well, I, I might go. Why not? Lucky. Why should Richie get all the ladies? Well, why didn't you? I'm sure you can go. It's not for me. But it's, if you fall, like us, I don't, don't think, cap on. 
I don't think that <laughs> <laughs> you should. Told, what do you can dress as a guy? We should totally dress you as a guy. Okay. Do you think you could make? I, sure. I know this sounds awkward, Sarah, but do you think you'd make a convincing man? Could you pull off looking like a man? I don't know. Could I? I don't look at me. Have you ever gone in drag for mm -hmm. anything? <sighs> Maybe if you. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, give it a try. If you wore layers or something, you dressed like dressed or... bulkily. And then a beard, and a beard, just put on a big, I'm picturing like a big fake Castro beard, just a big fake ass, just a big fake ass beard, and aviator sunglasses, and a cigar stub. All right, now we have to think about that. Well, because men these days are so femmy looking anyway, I mean, I'm sure That's I could get true. away with it. You could, just like a Brandon Tina kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. You could just be a very pretty boy. I could, I could put on some, like, I have, like, some fake glasses, yeah. I have real glasses that I lost, but. All right. You could be like Christian on, uh. Uh, that that Project Runway show. Yes, I you know. I think we're onto He's something here. I think we could. Sarah, make it work. That's all I'm going to say. All right, so are we all going to go work. together? Well, I think all is a bit of a broad statement. <laughs> um, I I think some of us may go. All right, moving moving on. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> let's take a moment, shall we? There we go. <laughs> Are we taking a moment? No, I guess not. From the Ministry <laughs> of Riley. This is Tim Riley. Okay, obviously I can't leave with the story I was going to leave with. Oh, is it sad? I'll shuffle it down to the bottom okay. of the stack. This is something a little more cheerful. An airline with under uh, five passengers flew across the Atlantic. So that would be four, wouldn't it? The Boeing 777 used 22,000 <laughs> gallons of fuel to take the folks from Chicago to London. It led to American Airlines being accused of reckless behavior by green lobbying groups. Now, how did they find this out? The Friends of the Earth said it was obscene to waste so much fuel flying on an almost empty plane. It estimated each passenger was responsible for 43 tons of CO2, enough to carry a Ford Mondeo around the world five times. Uh, the American Airlines spokesman said, with such a small passenger load, we did consider whether or not we could cancel the flight or reaccommodate the passengers aboard. But we decided not to. Now we can tell you that a man leapt to his death from a downtown parking garage oh. today. It happened around 10 o'clock. I thought I heard the sirens. Uh, this happened at the parking garage at Southwest 9th and Morrison around 10 o'clock. He had a tree on the way down, but it wasn't enough. A uh, witness interview by police uh, told authorities the man uh, had a history of mental problems. Wait, hold on. Ninth That's and Morrison. That's right near the Paramount, isn't it? Like where the other gentleman No, I don't think so. Well, I mean, it's downtown. I it's this downtown. this is by the library, is it not? Ninth and Morrison would be no, right by the... library is the 10th or 11th. I, I think the library is 11th or 10th. Uh, the library is the 10th. Okay. Well, anyways. Park, it's like one of the... like Downtown somewhere, I guess. Park and the Pay and Park. Yeah, and... yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. All right. I didn't think that would be enough to kill you. Well, it was in this case. Well, all right. Say, remember that lady who uh, strangled the hitman to death? Yes. She won a $1 million judgment today. It was a 12-person jury returning uh, the verdict awarding Susan Kuhnhausen $1 million for emotional distress and $53,000 for lost wages and medical expenses. Against, who, against whom did she win this? I guess it was against her husband or the dead hitman's family. It doesn't say exactly who. Her husband was sentenced to 10 years in prison for hiring the hitman, Edward Haffey, to kill his wife. So uh, Susan Kuhnhausen comes home from her job as an emergency room nurse at uh, Providence Hospital to find the guy with the claw camera uh, smacking her over the head a couple times. Of course, she wasn't about to put up with it, so she strangled him to death. Damn straight. To the chairs of everyone. Well, well done. So, so much for that hitman. Excellent. Don't try it again. No. 
Uh, local letter carriers facing char- uh, local letter carrier in Detroit, I should say, facing charges of being accused of stealing mail and dumping it. The postman is free on bond after appearing in court. An anonymous tip to U.S. Postal Service investigators led to the discovery of hundreds of tubs of mail, uh, some of it six years old, in the mailman's basement. Postal spokesman said much of the mail affected households uh, around Detroit. It was third class, and it was addressed to vacant homes anyway. I think that if you were a mailman, the temptation to steal would be almost overwhelming. Yeah. That's why I could never be a mail person, because I would just be holding everything up to the light and looking at it. And as soon as I saw not even money, but just anything interesting, I would absolutely steal that. And once you steal one letter, you're going to steal letters all the time. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Is it once? What, seriously, I mean, it seems like any... I would not expect any of our mail carriers to call up about this, but it does seem like there's always the temptation. Like, it, like if you were delivering something that just had like a weird... Like if you're delivering an envelope, but there's something weird and lumpy inside, you just want to know what it was. Maybe, you know, I might... Here's the thing. If I... And I'm, I'm not saying I would do this, but... I would totally do this. If I were a mail carrier, I would carry something with me that allowed me to open and then reseal envelopes. There's got to be some device like that that can open it. Like there's like one of those spy stores or something. they got to sell oh, one. Like the sharper image. Exactly. A place like that, but a place where you can actually buy things. The, it seems like they got to sell something that allows you to open and then reseal envelopes. And I, would totally, I, would, I wouldn't get anything done because I would just sit there all day opening the mail of others, reading it, and then repacking it. Uh, and then do whatever. So... And I like the idea that he was just taking it all home. He maybe he would, maybe he couldn't keep up. That's like uh Oh that could be. I can see how that might happen. Like, you know Well, never mind. I was gonna say as though people who work in offices who get terribly behind who just begin dumping their paperwork into the trash. Mm-hmm. Not that not that anybody we know has ever done that. Who would do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. Who who would do that? Who would do something like who that? Who would say, I'm so behind with this paperwork, I'm just going to shove it all into the trash? Well, if the bosses weren't so mean to that person, <laughs> it would have never happened. <laughs> if maybe they had just been treated with a little dignity and respect, mm-hmm. those forms would have been processed, <laughs> not destroyed. But the greatest thing of all was the day those bosses got dismissed, and that employee went up to the cubicle and said... You just got fired, didn't you? <laughs> and she shook her head, yes. Really? Did the employee mock the boss? Yes. <laughs> well, the bosses were all man-haters anyway. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, you know, you don't have that problem, Tim, uh, with South Sea Connection. So, you don't run what into women, women like women I wish I had some Asian lady bosses there. <laughs> at some point in my career. At South Sea Connection, no, you know, the, the women you get there are beautiful, slim, unegotistical, caring, non-materialistic, highly educated, monogamous, romantic-loving, Asian women. So there you go. That's a lot of adjectives. Find out more tomorrow. Uh, All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, This comes to us uh, from the world of radio. Following last Friday's personnel cuts, uh, news continues from Citadel uh, Broadcasting Corporation. They bought up all the ABC stations, which were profitable and the best stations on earth. So what do they do? When they found out they lost $840 million after buying stations they couldn't afford, they got rid of the best people that ABC had. Well, of course. So the layoffs continue at uh, Citadel Broadcasting. However, the uh, CEO, Farad Shulman, continues to make $17 million a year. Why not? Why not? That's America, isn't yes, it? Of course. As long as the people at the top are well taken care of. <laughs> it's, it's, it really, well, I mean, you really got to work when you buy didn't they buy, they, but they bought all of ABC's radio stations. Which station, were profitable, good stations. Which were among the finest run radio stations in the country. you got to work hard 
to lose $800 million. And went down the tubes in the first quarter that they owned them. I mean, you really got to stay up late at night and burn the midnight oil. You really have to, to, to work well, overtime it, it to lose It doesn't matter money. at all to Citadel Chairman and CEO Farron Schulman, who will uh, not get a, a pay cut from his $17 million a year. $17 million. After losing uh, $840 million in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's almost that's almost impressive that they could lose that much money. I mean, you got to work at that. Yeah. That's not a thing. I mean, those are just money machines, those ABC radio stations, or they were. I mean, it's, well, it, once they had people uh, working there that people listened to, but apparently they're not there anymore. <laughs> I got rid of all of those. Yeah. We've identified the profitable sections of this country, of this company. They've been removed. The listeners will be pleased to know that Farrah Schulman continues <laughs> as Citadel chairman and CEO at $17 million a year. Well, maybe they can just syndicate him as their midday show. Oh, that'd be great. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Barack Obama is having trouble with Archie Bunker. <laughs> the white blue-color voters, uh, voters personified in the 1970s fictional television character cost Obama this week. His Democratic presidential rival Hillary Clinton of New York beat him 54% to 44% in industrial Ohio and 58 to 40% in predominantly white Rhode Island. Now, I don't know how Obama comes up with these figures or these Archie Bunker people still exist. Where are these manufacturing jobs that he's blaming this on? Well, I think the thing is there are no manufacturing jobs. I think that's the yeah. deal. It, like in Ohio, those jobs, a lot of them have gone away. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it must, it's, it's the rust bucket of America. And here's the thing. A, a lot of people are trying to paint this as, uh, well, I mean, some people. I'm, now I'm being one of the Some people say we ought to let the terrorists win. Because uh, it says here, Obama has had a problem with blue-collar Democrats from the beginning. Who would they be? I Well, I have... Maybe this is a thing that everybody's just saying, trying to make it true, or it's conventional wisdom or whatever, but everything I have said, they do say that Hillary appeals... Let me let me let me reverse that. Yes. They I don't think that this is uh, this campaign is as much maybe about racist as some people are saying it is or wanting it to be or, or about gender as much people are wanting. I think a lot of a lot of sort of studies and essays and whatever that have have posited that Barack really does appeal to sort of the NPR liberal, to the sort of upper crust liberal, and that Hillary appeals to the more working class liberal. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but that's that's what that's what people say, and that might explain why he got hosed in Ohio, because in Ohio there's so many people that have just been shafted out of a job, uh, and it didn't help it didn't help when it came out that it, it, he was having secret meetings with the Canadian government about NAFTA. After denying it, I have never talked to the Canadian government about NAFTA ever. No one in my campaign has ever gone to Canada, and then of course the next day, someone from my campaign went to Canada and met with you know about NAFTA. Uh, so that's going to hose him in Pennsylvania probably, too, because Pennsylvania, demographically speaking, is very similar to Ohio. So, uh, it, Except uh, they have the Amish. That is true. Never discount the do the Amish vote. I know that sounds like a dumb question. They probably vote, don't they? They, they pay taxes and everything. I would imagine so. Yeah. Maybe they still use you know old-fashioned wood boxes. Yeah. All right. Well, as it promised, uh, a group that advocates for Christian legal issues has taken its bid to get a state-line vote on Oregon's new domestic partnership law oh, to a federal appeals Christ. court. Really? The Allowance Defense Fund of Scottsdale, Arizona, a bunch more carpetbaggers from out of state, has filed an appeal with the U.S. Uh, Circuit Court of Appeals as of yesterday. So there. Uh, separately, two Republican legislators have proposed an initiated measure to repeal those laws. The little that they get out of them anyway. So that's that. Time for Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And I just listen on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. 
Mark Echo Entertainment has signed a production deal with Showtime to develop a video game based on the Emmy and Golden Globe award-winning television series, Dexter. The Dexter game is being designed for multiple platforms, including the Sony PlayStation 3. The Microsoft Xbox 360 will be aimed at avid gamers, many of whom have become fans of the Showtime series. Dexter is an extremely rare television show with enough layers of action and tension to translate perfectly into a compelling video game. Echo is also in talks with a number of developers around the Dexter game, but stressed it'll work closely with Showtime to ensure it is faithful to the series. It's so bizarre to think of them making Dexter into a video game. I don't understand even how that would work. Me either, and especially because the video game industry gets so much crap every time they create a video game where you kill something. I mean, there's always some nitwit Joe Lieberman guy who's, uh, you know, waiting to scream about the video games corrupting our youth. And here is a video game in which the, he- you know, the hero presumably is a serial killer. So I don't even know... I don't even know how that would work. I mean, I can't even imagine how they would do that. So it does uh, it does remain to be seen. Um, also, apparently, I heard another rumor the other day that that World War Z game is uh, is uh, is in the works. Apparently, because they're going to try to have it come out at the same time as the uh, as the movie. So I don't even know. I mean, I don't even want to think about the Dexter game because there's I guess there's so many ways that it could suck. Uh, there's so many ways in which that game could be terrible, but I, mm, all right, I, I'll pin, I'll, I'll, I'll have casual, of a, what do you call it, cautious optimism about that. All right. So that's that. All right, there's your geek, uh, watch. geek watch for uh, Thursday. Right, that's hammer by the Sons of Warvan. I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Oh, these, is this Pop-Tart? This is half a Pop-Tart from you? Yeah. All I right. didn't bite it. I just ripped it off. No, that's fine. I, uh... So this is uh, the Pop-Tart, oh, Frosted Strawberry, my weakness. That really is the best this flavor This is what my lunch consists of today, and I'm like, oh. This is some goldfish crackers. Nobody, nobody, humongous? nobody has even sampled that shoe-flavored pizza <laughs> <laughs> That's on the table of the break room. <laughs> Wait a big lo- sign that does it, eat me, and with an exclamation like mark. It's like <laughs> It's sitting mm, on the table. Mm, delicious. <laughs> even at a radio station, Did no one Jim has only had it. three pieces of bread and, like, a ketchup packet, and he still wouldn't eat my pizza. Okay, this there really was a great radio moment, and by great, I mean awful. Well, we walked into the kitchen, and Big Jim from the Marconi Show was there. And uh, lest anybody think that all your problems are solved when you put on a big FM music station, I walk into the kitchen, and he's making, he has three slices of bread in a stack. No no actual, like, meat or, you know, like, sandwich fixings. Three, And I said, are you really just, is your lunch just three pieces of bread? And without hesitation, he goes, no, no, no. And then he holds up his hand and he goes, I got ketchup packets, too. <laughs> so there you go. It was really classy. Uh, so well, I my, got... my lunch is consisted of a Pop-Tart and a half oh. and some goldfish crackers. All right. Your two favorite flavors of Pop-Tarts. Go. I like the strawberry, and I really do like the blueberry ones. Blueberry's they're... not bad. Oh, when they're, when, especially when they're toasted and it's really warm. You know what else is good is the brown sugar uh, Pop-Tart. I'm Those a big fan of that. Good source of I seven vitamins and minerals. To pick a pop tart flavor that isn't good. I uh, I like the apple cinnamon too. The apple cinnamon is good. Uh, I don't really care uh, for that uh, for the s'mores one. They make that s'mores pop tart. It's okay. It's like with the striped frosting on the yeah, side. Yeah, it's okay. Not really my favorite. I, I'm not really partial to that. All right, here's uh, we'll do a couple more here and then we'll break. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Nicaraguan, uh, Nicaraguan President Daniel Ortega has announced his nation is breaking relations with Colombia. In doing so, he threw a rock with a note tied to it around the border. Uh, they really have no way of knowing that. Uh, apparently, these guys are trying to fight with each other again. The U.S. passed a resolution in hopes of easing tension, stemming from an attack by Colombian military on a rebel camp in neighboring Ecuador. Nobody knows where any of these places no, are. But, that's, but see, this is all the reason I need for not to go to Nicaragua with my wife. God bless her. God, God love her. But let's go to Nicaragua. No. Well, uh, Colombian forces killed at least 17 members of the leftist group, 
the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, also known as FARC. FARC really? is estimated to be holding <laughs> 700 hostages in the jungle and is accusing the United States of being a terrorist organization. Well, if you don't like it, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Drew Curtis has issued the following demands. That's wonderful. Excellent. All right. so, uh, they'll all kill each other again. Let me read these emails, then we'll do the glorious pastor of the week, then we'll break. Uh, so uh, we went door to door last night, uh, Terry from the street team and myself, uh, meeting and greeting some of the many listeners uh, of the uh, the station. You should sold Girl Scout cookies. Well, we gave, you know, we had uh, they uh, they equipped us with bottles of Viso last night. Oh, that's good. so we went door to door last night, and the deal is, if you're a glorious bastard, uh, you sign up, and we may be coming to your home. Uh, so every week we pick however many glorious bastards, and we stop by their houses because I'm lame. Like in case you ever wondered if I have a life, I just remove any any thoughts of that. Uh, and so we last night we had movie passes to. Semi Pro or whatever that the Will Ferrell movie is, and then uh, some uh, some Viso as well. Anyway, so we stopped by, and then today uh, I got some listeners from some of the folks that we visited. Uh, here's uh, this one says Rick, my name is Steve. You stopped by my house last night. I wanted to thank you for making the effort of actually coming by. It was odd seeing you out of context. My mind went from no idea why you were on my front porch to did I win something to. Am I in trouble with the radio station somehow? Uh, sorry if somebody I, threatened to kill you. Sorry if I left you standing outside. I was confused. Uh, I don't know how long you've been doing these visits, but it was cool. It motivated me to harangue my friends more about listening to your show. Uh, please, uh, I hope your numbers are good. Please let the staff know there are many of us who appreciate what you do. Uh, and then this one, the next one is, subject on to this is, Lars is a dick. Thank you for the viso. Rick, thank you for stopping by my house. Thank you for your observations on my... This guy was in his pajamas. It was so great. He had, like, these weird slippers and pajamas and then, like, some... Not a wife beater, but, like, a tank top. It was, like, it was like almost he had... He, it's like almost he had sat down and, by design, made sure that no item of clothing matched any other item of clothing that he was wearing. Um, I was getting ready to go in the shower before work. I bartend. I'm normally much more loquacious, but when you knocked on my door, I was simultaneously listening to yesterday's recap and downloading the podcast. I went from listening to you and seeing you uh, to seeing you in my living room, and I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Uh, thanks for stopping by. This guy's uh, mom is there. She says, my mom was gaga to meet you. She is a recently converted former Lars listener. Uh, I have been listening for 10 years. So anyway, wow. thank you. So thank you, sir. Uh, his mom's uh, name was Audie. She was great. All right, let me do this. Speaking of glory, by the way, if you are not a glorious bastard, you're missing out. You can sign up at 970.am. Maybe Rick will bring you some viso next week. It's entirely possible. Uh, so uh, 970.am, you can do that. Let's uh, do this. <laughs> Greetings and salutations, James Long. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM 970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM 970 pile of crap, including Into the Wild, based on the best-selling book with screenplay and direction by Sean Penn, starring Emile Hirschland and an all-star cast in this captivating tra uh, travelogue of a man who leaves everything behind to seek adventure. Available on DVD and... HD DVD, March 4th, from Paramount Vantage. Uh -huh. As well as the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week, you are, in fact, a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, James Long. You are the glorious bastard of the week. Sign up at 970.am. Back after this.
the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, coming up here in just a few, uh, we have more from uh, Tim Bradley. we got the top five, too. Top five most awkwardly sexual songs of the 80s. Before we get to Jim Roof, let me just say, let mailman Chris just stop by upstairs uh, with his uh, with his kid Brendan, right here. And so apparently his uh, his uh, kid was selling. It was like a campfire thing where they sell. Uh, oh yes, I bowl with Chris. They sell I've grub. Tons about this. Do you know how much? You know how many boxes his kid sold of no. campfire candy? Seventeen hundred. Jeez. Yeah. So his face is going to be on a billboard uh, in Portland. Is it going to be that picture? It's, it's this picture. And it, says meet, it says, meet Brendan. He's, like, better at this than I will ever be at anything in my life. He likes to work with his hands. He can build a giant skyscraper of Legos taller than his youngest brother. And so, and so Chris uh, brought uh, us, and so by us, cute. I mean me, a box of almond roca. Do you like almond roca? Yes. Okay, you have to split this with me. Then I was afraid you would say no, and then I would have to eat it all. Here's the thing about almond roca. It's but one you can't of my open real... it right now because I'm kind of hungry and I've already had a pop tart. I'm gonna open it right now. Uh, all right. So uh, there you go, almond. So congratulations to Brendan and to yeah. uh, Chris. Gotta get that kid into radio sales. All right. Let me just uh, open this, ladies and gentlemen. While I'm opening this, let's welcome from Los Angeles. Correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Woo-hoo. How are you, brother? Doing well, thank you. All right. Are you an almond roca fan? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I gotta, I'm gonna open this right here while we're talking. All right, hold on a second. How's life? How what's the weather like down there? Oh, it's beautiful. I don't know, 74, 75 degrees, sunshine, yeah. slight breeze, not too bad. Beautiful. Where, where is the last place you lived that was not California? Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. And so, here's a dumb question: What's the weather like in Cincinnati, Ohio? They get those ice storms and everything. Yeah, there, right, right now it's pretty freaking miserable. Jesus, was that for? Uh, was that for? Uh, is that where you? You didn't grow up there, did yep. you? Is that... I wonder bread years there. My first 21 years of my life. Okay. Uh, okay, that's that's right. Uh, and we've talked about that. So, you, and then you moved from there to California. Yeah. Good for you. Excellent. Did not pass a go. Did not collect 200. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So uh, I got hold, very lucky. Opening this. Uh, opening this box of almond roca. Here you go, Sarah. Have one of these. Oh, they're really. Hey, man, she just had a pop tart. Leave her alone. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. What better way you, to? Thank you, Jim. I don't you know what eat miles today. You so. ordered like a. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I keep coughing right into the microphone today. Are you okay? Yeah, you need to, like, hydrate. Drink more water. I know. Drink. I just have never had a chance to. Uh, here you go. Hold on. Okay. Let me just give that back to you. No, it's like when you order a drink with a chaser. You chase the Pop-Tart with that. <laughs> and I did only eat a Pop-Tart and a half. Yeah. In fact, I think that it was, it was a little less than a half. So, uh, in any you cutting back, are you? Yes. To I'm... whom are you speaking? Because that's the it, it, that answer is no for me. Well, Sarah, you you don't need to worry about it. You're, I'm uh, you're beautiful. Uh, well, Sarah, you, baby, you're so perfect. You you look so fine. You just have another almond roca. We're trying to get Brick's fat index down too because he's like Ooh. made of thirty percent fat. I am the fattest person on the show, by the way. Not only am I in terms of body fat, not only am I the fattest person on the show, I am so far the fattest person in the building, uh, based on this uh, fat measuring scale that we've got here. And maybe so, that scale's wrong. No, sure, sure it is. That's a lie I told myself until there was a, a guy we worked with who'd lost a lot of weight. Came in, of course, 17% body fat. Absolutely fine. Fit as a fiddle. I got in there, like, the scale that everything would scream when I stood on it. I mean, really. <laughs> it was like you expected this get one at a time. So I'm like at 29%. Just, I mean, it did everything but, but yell like you are morbidly obese at me. Uh, all right. Uh, well, a couple of things here. First of all, yeah, this is not really a tremendous interest to me, but it is. It's a little sleazy, so I like it. This Anthony Pelicano thing. Yeah. So this was a guy who was a Hollywood private eye, and he was what he's he was illegally wiretapping a bunch of folks. Well, you know, they yeah, like uh, celebrities, and they'd hire him, say, "Hey, man, I think my wife's cheating on me. Go to check her out." Blah blah blah. Right. Uh, or business deals. 
you know, go and, you know, hey, check out this guy for me. Um, and apparently, or allegedly, uh, he was uh, uh, tapping phones, uh, bribing police officers and telephone workers for information that he would then use uh, to gain advantages in, in these cases, these business or divorce cases, that kind of thing. He denies, of course, all that and said he's acting as his own attorney and says, hey, I'm not going to hurt anyone intentionally right. or purposely, but if any of my clients gets on the stand and testifies against me, they're going to be very uncomfortable on that stand uh, during cross-examination. That's pretty great. I can't wait until a celebrity hits that stand. Uh, and so who, who uh, is, I heard Stallone. Stallone, Farrah Fawcett, um... Uh, oh shoot! I got the list today, and I don't have it with me. Um, but it is one of those things where it's it's a it's a lot of Michael this, Ovitz. This is re Michael Ovitz, yeah. really. Yeah. That's one of those. So it's one of those where he lays it sort of between the lines, like if anybody should testify, right. it's going to become very awkward. He said, I'm, "I'm not threatening anybody." Uh, uh, of course I not. I tell you, of you're course. going to be very uncomfortable. You testify against me because I'm sure he has dirt on all these. Oh people. yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. The, the, I mean, the guy—it's like J. Edgar Hoover, you know, the, the guy who is the keeper of the wiretaps and the secrets. That's the guy that holds the cards. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, speaking of governmental things and, and whatever, let's talk about this 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 Jack Ruby gun. Oh yeah, it's cool. I like this. I like this auction. Although if you take a look at the items, you know, I mean, they really make a lot out of these out of these items. You know, Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart's hat. Who cares that it's Humphrey Bogart's hat? Uh, or the witch's hat from Wizard of Oz. I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff, that's cool. The only thing that that is cool, as far as I'm concerned, is that gun, that 38 caliber Colt Cobra that Jack Ruby used. They also have the hat Jack Ruby was wearing in that photo and the toe tag that, the was on, that was on Lee Harvey Oswald's foot. That's the thing we read about that really fascinated me was the idea that they had the toe tag that they stuck on Lee Harvey Oswald after Ruby gunned him down. Isn't <laughs> that great? How much, do they have any estimates as to how much that stuff's going to go for? I mean, you know, It's going to be worth a lot because unlike, you know, I was talking to the guy yesterday, unlike a baseball, like the uh, Tim McGuire baseball. Yeah. Uh, what, $3 million it went for, something like yeah, that. It's yeah. a lot. It's worth a lot less now because the next baseball was worth more. Yeah, there's not going to be another... Nothing else is going to eclipse this. <laughs> there's not going to be another Oswald toe tag. No. They're I not... mean, Ruby bought it for 62 bucks back in 1960. This guy, this Puglisi guy, Anthony Puglisi, bought it for $200,000 in 91. It'll fetch at least a million bucks, I would think. Uh, next weekend in Jesus. Vegas. So I guess I will. Uh, I guess I will put aside any thoughts of buying this. You, I'm gonna bid. I'm gonna bid 25 bucks just to do it. <laughs> just just to say you did it. Yeah, yeah. Bid on Lee yeah, Harvey. I put a bid on that damn thing. Didn't get it though. Just missed it. Well, we heard that there was gonna be some. It, it, this is related to this. I heard they're gonna be auctioning off a bunch of crap from Neverland. Do you hear that? Uh, not in the same. Uh... But I mean, not here. But I mean, at some point in the near future, they're gonna be offering uh, auctioning off a bunch of crap from Michael Jackson's oh, house. Oh, sure they are. He he just secured another loan to keep that thing floating. Although, man, it is in such bad shape. You talk about a fixer-upper. If you can come up with, uh, you can come up with a little bit of cash. You can buy Neverland. Well, I heard he's twenty-four million dollars. Who is giving Michael Jackson consolidation loans at this point? I mean, really, honestly. Who knows? I just uh, the, so we, we were hitting. I on mean, this the re-release of the Thriller album's making some money now. I so. guess. Did you see the Billboard shafted, and though Billboard wouldn't put it on the charts because they're considering it a catalog release. 
So <laughs> Billboard wouldn't it, de- it debuted at number one, but Billboard won't show it on the charts. They won't actually officially say that it's a number one record. They won't put it on the charts because they consider it a re-release. Good for them. Yeah. So the but you know Sarah and I had this great idea about Michael Jackson making a little bit of money. We had the idea that he ought to. Uh, take just all kinds of like his live his carpet his uh, his you know his wallpaper his whatever and just sell that on the net to people like me for like fifty bucks a pop. Here you go, fifty, oh, yeah, 50 a bucks idea. a pop. Here's a square inch of Michael Jackson's uh, living room carpet. Here's I'd buy fork. that. You know, I buy a fork for fifty yeah, bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Seriously, here's you know? here's here's yeah here's a, here's a soup spoon for Michael Jackson's house. It's fifty bucks. I would absolutely pay that. Yeah, I would. That's what I'm saying. See, there you go. You pass that on. You, you're people who knows people. You pass that along to Jackson's handlers. You let them know that that's the way out of this financial debacle that he's in. That's a great idea. He's an idiot if he doesn't do that. Just buy himself a nice little split-level pad somewhere and forget the freaking mansion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And this is, you know, because there, we talked about this a while back. It's, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of morbid. There's this guy who bought... Uh, he bought a huge chunk of John Denver's, uh, like, death plot. Playing John Denver was in when he died. And he just cut it up into little pieces in his garage uh, with a torch, and he sells pieces of John Denver's death plane for like sixty-five dollars. You know, I know people will buy that. Well, I'm saying it's like not my, it's not my deal. I they don't know. Put own it. in a frame, they hang it in their garage, and look at that. That's that's piece of the plane. That uh... totally. And with every passing year, it becomes more valuable. You sell it for more. Hey, look, you're talking to a guy. I have a piece of gum chewed by Ozzy Osbourne. I have it sealed in a bag at home. So I mean. You know, now uh, that's cool. That uh, would that will sell. That's see who who am I? So who am I to cast aspersions? Now how Jim can Rupert? you prove that? Do you have some kind of letter written by him or something? Sadly, sadly I don't. It was uh, from about four months ago when he just stopped by. We have a rock station across the hall, right. and he. It was actually kind of a cool story. He was uh he was in Seattle, uh just just not 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 performing. He was I think he was rehearsing in Seattle, and then he was going back home to L.A. And his bus rolled through Portland. He sort of remembered like oh hey there's a rock station here that's been kind of good to me over the years so our front our front desk guy dave zinn was just sitting there at the front desk working and he looks up and there's ozzy osbourne in the front lobby and ozzy's like uh, hello i'm here to see kufo and so dave there was this great page like um ozzy osbourne is in the front lobby if somebody wants to come up and and so ozzy came back down and he he went into this production studio well you've been in our studio yeah there's a production room right next to us and ozzy did a little uh, ad hoc interview with one of the djs and uh, he at one point spat out a piece of chewing gum into the wastebasket before he cut liners and scotty scotty J immediately to his credit fished it out with a spoon and sealed it in a plastic bag for me wow so i have That's no scotty J's legacy i it really is. Beautiful. I I have no uh, I have no documentation, but you know it doesn't matter because I won't be getting rid of it. it, it, it and I and I know uh, in my heart that Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, and this this is the other thing we've got. Here's the other legacy. This is a uh, hold on. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson. So there you go. <laughs> there you go, brother. That's what it's all about. That's, that's just great. That's man. what makes radio worthwhile. That is absolutely fantastic. All right. Uh, when you were a, you were never a DJ, were you always oh, yeah. a news guy? Oh yeah, long time. Were you? Who's the most famous person you interviewed when you were a music DJ? John Denver. John, no, really? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Sarah actually just gasped a little bit there. Oh, I love John Denver. <laughs> so I did interview him though. Did I you think s- Billy Joel was maybe not the most famous, but the most fun. Just someday I'm gonna own a piece of your airplane, John Denver. You seem uh, like you and Billy Joel would be buddies. Yeah, we had a we we had a good time. We talked. Did you drink together? Shows over. What's that? Did you drink together? Yes, of course. Of course. I see. I could have. I would have laid my bottom dollar that you and Billy Joel drank together. Yeah. 
Excellent. Yeah, we spent we spent some time. Um, was he a cool guy? He seems like kind of a dick. No, he's very cool. At least he was to me, anyway. All right, fair uh, enough. This was back when the Stranger album was out. Right, right. And I was working right. in Cincinnati then. Um, very cool. And, and Liberty DeVito, his drummer. I love that name, and he was there. Liberty you know, he, DeVito. He had uh, he had a couple of drinks. There was a whole bunch of uh, guys there, but yeah, he was very cool, man. Very. It was that was neat. All right, who else? Uh gee. Um. I think when Molly Hatchet rolled through. Molly Hatchet. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall uh, Tucker, they rolled through. Who was the, uh, okay, as a DJ, who was the worst interview you had? Either boring or just, or they were jerks? Uh, probably, I got to say Joe Walsh. Really? Was he drunk? Yeah, I think so. He was oh, just course. out. He was yeah. just done. Yeah. I, I got when... to say that because it was, it, was, it was painstakingly, and I hate those live interviews like that when you know you got a guy like that coming in. And you're going, oh, man, he's living that song right here in front of me. Right. He's living the life's been good. You know, song. Yeah. yeah, he's just living that right here. Yeah. Uh, he was nearly comatose. And uh. it was like, uh, and so uh, you're going to be playing how many, uh, three songs maybe? I mean, that's the only kind of stuff he would answer. And it's, and, and he, and Joe Walsh, he just, hey, well, I'm going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I'm, I know, I know <laughs> Joe Walsh. See, that's beautiful. That's exactly I what he sounds like. Just my memory there. That's exactly what he sounds like. Here's my little Joe Walsh story. Uh, I didn't interview him, but I was living in Utah when he came up for the Sundance Film Festival one year. Just you know, one of the celebrities came up to hang out, and um, the cops in Park City had to be called because Joe Walsh was. The report was. Uh, this is what I heard, and I have. I believe it's true. The report was that Joe Walsh was drunk in his bathrobe. Uh, bathrobe. Walking down the streets of Park City at two in the morning with a running chainsaw. <laughs> no real reason. Wasn't attacking anything. Wasn't cutting anything down. Just walking down the street. Hey, I'm Joe Walsh. I got a chainsaw. <laughs> there, there you go. That's my Joe Walsh story, brother. I love it. All right. Uh, are you on tomorrow, sir? Yes, sir. All right. We will have speech with you. Enjoy the rest of your 75 degree day. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, brother. There you go, Jim Roop in Los Angeles. And I have me and Alman Roca right now. I didn't eat mine. Really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat it when I get home. I'm going right. to ride my bike. You know what, Sarah? You're right. I should start with the Pop-Tart. You should start with the Pop-Tart. Would you take a break? Yeah. Come back, Tim Riley, and then right here, top five most awkwardly sexual songs of the 1980s. Thank you for suggesting the hydrating. That is a, That was a good idea. That's what happens to my voice when I drink too much coffee. I start to sound all rest. That's the other thing, too, is I drink so much caffeine, and then I don't drink enough water, and then you just uh, let's become dehydrated. Let's see. All right. Back after this, Tim Riley, uh, the top five. Like us at three. Like us 101 at five. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Here's David Allen Coe. She got run over by a damned old train. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim Almond Roca. Who's that? Almond Roca. Mm, oh, almonds are good for you. I think I will try. All right. Just open. Thank you. Who are they from? Uh, Mailman Chris's kid sold these for Campfire USA. He sold seven, seventeen hundred boxes of these. Oh, so there aren't Campfire girls anymore. They're just Campfire, I think campfire, uh, campfire lads. Campfire youth. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's girls and boys together. Anyway, so uh, so he came by, and I guess in a, as a reward, not only does he get whatever bragging rights, but I think they gave him like 500 boxes of this. So he brought by 
Oh, they brought a box of almond roca for us. Mike, thank you. All right, coming up here in a while, uh, we will do the top five. Actually, uh, when we get to the top five, uh, we'll uh, we'll also be joined by our uh, good friend Dennis Pitsenbarger, who will uh, drop in. Uh, as a child of the 80s himself, he'll have some things to say about this. This, however, is Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, well, gonna eat this, now. this is Tim Riley. A couple of stuck in the snow have been rescued near Bagby Hot Springs. Sounds like such a nice, like, someplace that the Hobbit would go. But it didn't happen this time. Search crews found a Mount Angel couple trying to stay warm in their truck after spending a night stuck in the wilderness. We haven't had one of these in a long time. Uh, Clackamas County deputies said 40-year-old Dale Paulson and 32-year-old Selena Lewis planned to go to the springs and be back at 5, but concerned neighbors called police when they didn't show up around 7 a.m. the next day. Rescuers on ATVs found the two about a mile and a half from their truck on the way to Ripple Brick Ranger Station. The couple told deputies their truck had stuck in the snow, and uh, they spent the night in the truck using the heater to stay warm. They had no shovel, of course. If they're near a hot springs, why do they need to stay in the truck and use the heater to stay warm? I don't know. Perhaps it's just a picturesque name. <laughs> just, that's just faulty logic. So, since the couple had no shovel, they tried to dig out the tires with their hands, but weren't able to do so. Other than that, they're in good health. They're Nature. a little bit hungry, though. Nature hates you. they got to ride back to Estacada and make arrangements <laughs> to get their truck to it <laughs> Where they have begun their flourishing life anew. Okay. Uh, Paris Hilton's little brother has been officially charged with DUI. 18-year-old Baron Hilton faces several charges, including DUI, misdemeanor driving with a blunt alcohol level at or above the legal limit, unlawful use of a license, and unlicensed driving. The court date has been set for April 14th. Baron Hilton was arrested for driving under the influence in Malibu. Paris Hilton uh, famously uh, spent time there last year after violating her own DUI probation. Paris and Baron Hilton also have a sister, Nikki, and a teenage son named Conrad. Boy, have you noticed that with uh, the, the Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie thing? First of all, I think I speak for everybody when I say that unlike Brittany, who will... Once that dad's conservatorship runs out, uh, Brittany's going to entertain us once again. She'll go crazy again in the future. It's just a given. But I think I speak for everybody when I say just the era of Paris and Nicole Richie over. Done. I don't just mean them together, but I mean th- that group of uh, Hollywood brat kids. Well, well, they're, they're pa- their time has passed. They have a really quick burnout rate these days, due to TMZ, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because Nicole Richie uh, is you know, married, whether happily or not, has a kid. Uh, and not married yet. Is, are they not married? No, but um, remember he had just Benji, broken up with... Uh, what's his name? He just broken up with Hillary Duff, and then they started dating, and like a month later, she's knocked up. Yeah, so I mean, that's I mean, it's kind of, you know... Uh, There's nothing else for them to do. No, right? really, that's it. I mean, it, you know, it's like Christina Aguilera. They just moved on to a different phase of their life, and there'll be some other group of uh, cretins that we hate. Uh, yeah, but uh, Nicole and Paris, they are yesterday's news. They, the sun is now setting on that. So don't bother us again. Nope. Stay away. Our LA importers are accused of distributing poisonous Chinese toothpaste. Criminal charges have been filed against officials in two local companies for importing and distributing more than 70,000 tubes of Chinese toothpaste containing poison. <laughs> They're not even trying to cover their tracks anymore. No. Uh, uh, they could get the maximum penalty for 70,000 poisonous tubes of toothpaste is a year in jail and a $1,000 fine. That's it? That's it. I'm looking to see if these almond rocker are made in China. Oh, no, I was just looking to see the calories. Oh, don't look at that. You, no, it's not that bad. How much is one almond roca? Um, well, it's, it's the serving size is three pieces, and the calories for three pieces are 200. So that's 60 calories. It was 65 calories a piece, basically. That's not so bad. No. Oh, no, I have I another feel, one. No, I don't feel guilty for my Why one. Why not have two? All right. So you can uh, sell somebody a tube of toothpaste and basically they give you a 70, gram. 70,000, yeah. Really? Well, all right. Fair, so just sell more enough. toothpaste. Okay. 
Yeah, that's clearly that's a, that's the way that the Chinese are going to take us over through our teeth. Mm-hmm. All right. We need that X-17 invisible shield, Tim. Clearly, that's uh, that's what's called for here. That sounds spectacular. All right. Well, that's different. Are we prepared for the top five? I guess we are, yes. Dennis Pittsburgh, please enter the Rick Emerson studio so ye may comment uh, on this, the top five. Five, and, yeah. four, right. three, two, one, fire. <laughs> Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Why, hello, Dennis Pitsenbarger. Well, hello, Rick. How are you today? I'm uh, actually doing quite well. Uh, Am I interrupting something? Uh, no, I was making sure that my phone wasn't going to ring during the uh, fabulous program. He almost died today again. The uh, wonderful uh, driving skills of my fellow Oregon drivers decided somebody wanted to push me and my Harley Davidson off the Markham Bridge. Would you please tell me you came in clutching a ZZ Top double CD six pack collection? No, that's the. Please yeah, tell okay. me that's your driving music of choice. Oh, you betcha. ZZ okay. Top on the Harley. There is no better. How do you listen to music on a Harley? Because real Harleys have stereos. I have like a full stereo CD system on my bike. Jam out, put the bike, get the that seems legs, legs, oh yeah, get the legs up on the foot bars there. Whatever. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley with today's top five. And on today's top five, we recognize the fact that frank and sometimes uncomfortable lyrics are always, or always have been, a part of the music world. For proof, we need to look no further than these, the top five awkwardly sexual songs of the 1980s. And by the way, as we do every single one of these songs, a massive hit. Everyone, I had to play, uh, I would say, all but one of these as a top 40 DJ. Uh, these were all big, I mean, they were all over MTV, these were all over the radio. Anybody who was a who was a, a CHR jock in the 80s and early 90s had to play all of these songs. So it's, uh, so awkward, awkward and, and off-putting lyrics are not a recent development. Honorable mention goes to the the vinyls with I Touch Myself. Which oh, is, this yeah. is honorable mention because it wasn't quite the 80s, this was 90. This record was released in 1990, I believe. Boy, how hot was this girl, though? Her in that weird, uh, that, like, macrame dress that she had on. Beautiful video, though. It was all kind of black and white. They were like a rock set thing, or it was like the one guy and then the and then the hot girl. Did the video have, like, a bunch of, like, soft, like, fuzzy, kind of fuzzy filter kind of look to it? Yeah, it was black and white, and then it was all done with a soft focus uh, lens. But I remember playing this as a DJ for the young people and I would get and it was so weird I mean I was only I was only 17 maybe well 1980 yeah so I would have been 17 and it would be so weird that you would answer the request lines and it would be a bunch of like 12 year old girls can you play I Touch Myself by the Divinals I'll get it right on for you you know it was was all very even then it was very strange it was just so even now the song kind of makes me feel it's really Song. Well, you know, well, you know that their whole, you know, her her whole thing when they asked her about the story, Kurt Loder asked her about the song, and her whole thing is about it. Uh, it was that it uh, is that. Uh, what was her claim? She said something about how it makes her touch herself emotionally speaking. That was her, no, no, no. I touch myself, you know, inside, and she like pointed to her heart. So. Oh boy. What, what year is that from again? 1990. Yeah, a lot of these. Great year in music. Yeah, really. So these are the top five most awkwardly sexual songs of the 80s. 
Number five, Jermaine Stewart. We don't have to take our clothes off. Yeah. We don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time. Oh, no. You know, it's funny. I heard this just the other day on Moving 107, and really? I actually cranked it up because that's the whole idea. Because it made you feel good. Well, that. It's just supposed to, like, harken back to memories, but I can totally see myself at the Square Cow Fun Bar listening to this. That's at uh, what? The Square Cow Fun Bar. Cattle coming. If you, come on. Was that a place where the Oregon uh, young people That's, uh, congregated? Uh, you might have been in Kennewick at that point. But, yeah, if you were uh, 21 to 25 when this song was hot, uh, you were at the Square Cow Fun Bar. Who is this guy, and what did he do after this? Uh, I'm guessing was, nothing. Uh, I think you're right on the target. This was a song, of course, this this was right as the, the safe or safer sex era was beginning. When, basically, it, it was the beginning of the no fun era. It, no no drugs, no sex, the music sucked. There was, God, the 80s blew. The 80s were awful. There's nothing good about the 80s. Uh, how dare you say such blasphemy? I mean, nothing good. you had your occasional appetite for destruction. You had your 1984. But I'm talking about Skid I mean, really. What? Skid Row? I suppose. I'm just saying the 80s, relatively speaking, to other decades, certainly compared to the 70s, the 80s blew. I will agree. You're not supposed to have sex with anybody. All the drugs were suddenly going to kill you. This was <laughs> this was popular music, and this video's terrible too. He's got those weird Terrence Trent Darby fake fake ass like extension things. He was kind of like a skinny baby faced. He's a he's a poor man's uh, Tito Jackson. <laughs> These are the top five most awkwardly sexual songs of the eighties. Number four, Samantha Fox, Touch Me. Uh, touch me. <laughs> How creepy is that even now? Now you know it's you just know. icky. You I mean, I, I look, and I am a guy, wow, and I think this song is so long. I'm a man, and I concur with Sarah that that's icky. You're gonna tell me you can't exactly and precisely describe the video? Oh, the I can. Cut off jean jacket, I and short can. shirt. Doesn't it doesn't mean it's not? Because here's the thing: when this came out. When would this have been? 80... I want to say like 85? 6 or 85? So I would have been 12, 13. And I... This is not just me. I think I speak for everyone. 12, 13 is an odd time. You, you know, you, you, you're both a boy and becoming a man or whatever. And so you, you were at that stage where you were both fascinated by women, but then also sort of creeped out and terrified of them. And it's like you... You know, and there's a... Uh, one begins to... Uh, be attracted to women in an adult sense, but at the same time, you're also sort of embarrassed by that. You're sort of ashamed, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible person. I, oh, I'm filled with, especially if you're Catholic. You, it was pounded into you as a Catholic. Oh, I'm so horrified by my own desires. I don't deserve to live. And so you're watching this video, and she was a page three girl. That's where she came from. She was a page three girl, huge cans, and they said, let's give her a music career. Do you remember her follow-up single? Anyone? No. Naughty Girls Need Love Too? Oh. Really? Yeah. So she was a stripper, and I think she made softcore porn films. And then she did the song, Touch Me, and I remember... Okay, can I ask you something? What is a softcore porn film? Where you don't see uh, anything uh, entering anything else. Okay. Let me put it that way. You do you not... see everything else? One does not see penetration. Okay. Uh, and it is... I have to start this from the beginning. Um... Better known as the Spice Channel. Softcore is, uh, it's, it's in some ways, it's like an Austin Powers thing, where like it'll be filmed at such an angle that you, they're, they're like obviously. Like in Beowulf when he's fighting the guy naked and he's like one of them will hoist their glasses, he's jumping through exactly. the air. Exactly, and where they're clearly actually having sex, 
but it's filmed at such an angle that you can't see it. And what they will typically do is, for terms of budgets, they'll film a hardcore and a softcore f- porn at the same time. There's one camera catching all the action, and another camera at a different angle getting about 80% of the action. Hmm. Because, like, in places like Utah, you cannot sell hardcore porn. You can't actually see anything blah, blah, blah. So, anyway, she made softcore porn films, I do believe. But this song was simultaneously, as a kid, both so tantalizing and just so creepy to me. Didn't she do Playboy as well? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Top five uh, most awkwardly sexual songs of the 80s. Number three, Belle Bib DeVoe. Do me. <laughs> Speaking of moving one of totally right. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Daly. Scott just, is, Scott just sent you a text message about... Oh, yeah. The Square Cow Fun Palace or whatever oh, yeah. it is. Memories, sad, sad, pathetic memories. This song is still kind of creepy to me. It is. This is. Now, this is Belle Bib DeVoe, right? Yeah. What you see. I mean, really, this is, again, a little bit like sexual healing where no white man could get away with singing this song because it would just sound even weirder. You know, from a soulless white man, this would be even more off-putting. But the idea that there's a song for which the chorus is just do me. You can do me in the morning, do me in the night. I mean, it's nearly 20 years ago they were singing this, too. I remember feeling uncomfortable when this was on the radio. Yes. Now, did you have a note of when this was, date-wise? This would have been 1989, because Poison, which was the follow-up, I think, came out in 90. That girl with Poison. Yes. All these songs are just absolutely hilarious to me. All right. Counting down the top five most awkwardly sexual songs of the 90s. Number two, George Michael, I Want Your Sex. This is a great song, though. Yes. This is the closest George Michael ever got to sounding like Prince. I mean, this could be a Prince song. Especially that little bridge he does into the chorus. So I was watching the video for this this morning, actually, and I mean, I, I know that now he just looks like some sort of, he looks like some sort of homeless werewolf now, but really, I, I was watching the video for I Want Your Sex, you know, I'll just say this, wow, what a stunningly gorgeous guy that he was at that time. I mean, he was like the best looking guy on planet Earth at this point in this video. I mean, the whole faith era, I mean, that's, that's a guy who was pretty flawlessly constructed at that point. Right here. How much does this sound like Prince? Mm-hmm. I was going to Catholic school right around the time this came out. And uh, the Catholic Church, they were not big fans of George Michael. Well, he Wasn't he always blowing up, you know... I'm sorry? Not... Don't go there. <laughs> I meant blowing... In his videos, were they always uh, blowing up items that represented the church or control? No, that's... You're thinking of the video for uh, Faith. Faith. No, 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 no. No, in fact, you're not... You're not... You're thinking of... You what is the I'm video talking. where he blew up the jukebox? Yeah, I can't... Uh, is that Freedom? Freedom. Exactly. And where he set fire to that... The British Air Force jacket? I just remember that one sequence where he's, like, painting on that girl's back with lipstick. And it says, explore monogamy. And like, I don't even know what that means, exactly. I don't know how one explores monogamy. It seems like that's a pretty... That's that's a small room to explore. I think that's a fancy way of saying, why don't just you and I do it? What a great album this was, though. Mm-hmm. All right, kind of the top five most awkwardly sexual songs of it. Anybody want to guess? Um, Call Me Bad, I Want to Sex You Up. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. So I think yeah. that was 92. I think it was like 91 or 92. I can't do it because I have the list in front of me. 
Tim. Oh, number one, Madonna, Justify My Love. Oh, which I think yeah. this is 89.90. I think this came out in January of 90, but I could be wrong about that. Am I the only one that just automatically thinks of the Wayne and Garth thing? I do remember that, too. And then Madonna sitting there saying, look at the unit on that guy. That was the funniest thing. I want to kiss you in Paris. What a weird mm-hmm. song this is. And it's, you know, even now, I will say that this song is sort of creepy. It's sort of haunting, actually. And it's that little keyboard line in the background. That's what it is. It's just that one note. I want to kiss you in Paris. <laughs> well, she did all like the weird... This is when she was into her, like, S&M kind of, you yeah. know, uh, whip me, beat me, you know. There's some other... Verbiage well, you know, there was uh, this is remember this was such a big scandal that they played this whole video on Nightline. Uh huh. Bonus points. Who wrote this song? Jimmy Jam. Lenny Kravitz. Really? Yeah, Lenny Kravitz wrote this. Were Lenny Kravitz and Madonna at, together at oh, some point? Don't you think Lenny Kravitz and every woman on earth have been together at some point? Such a pretty man. I don't know. I don't know if Lenny Kravitz is good looking or not. I can't tell. He is. You see? Mm. All right. I can't get past the... Because uh, to me, when I picture him, it's always uh, in like 88 or 89 when he has those massive dreadlocks and the huge sunglasses. And so I almost feel like I... Oh, it's those weird like bug sunglasses? Like the fly, I, the uh, Bono sunglasses? I picture him circa American Woman when he's all shirtless wearing the aviators. Yeah. All right. There you go. Back after this, more from Dennis Pitsenberg around the corner. Say that it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. What did you say about somebody was really good looking? I was talking about how George Michael was perfect looking in that video. Oh, I, I was reading a comment that somebody wrote about um, someone who's so pretty. They're like, you know, this person's so pretty, they might as well just be a unicorn. Yeah. Because it's so unattainable and so unreal. But... No, that's, you know, really, that's, and again, it's another one of those things where you, uh, it, not unlike Robert Plant in around 1972, you look at George Michael in the, in that video and the... Uh, uh, it's one of those things where you just realize he did, in fact, get laid more than anyone else on Earth. I mean, really, there's just no getting around that. Uh, all right, we're here with uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger. And uh, what's coming up on Miles Around, Dennis Pitsenbarger? Uh, well, we're going to be, it's going to be a weird uh, transition, uh, losing Mr. Peterson uh, last week. It was his final show. So uh, we're just going to have like a 20-minute dead air segment right in the middle of the program, normally what he would do. We used to have those with Matt. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> um... I'm going to go ahead and uh, not touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Uh, no, we're uh, we're very lucky. This weekend, I'm actually going to get a chance to drive a Lamborghini LP640. Um, the racing season is in full swing. Late-night drags are starting this weekend at PIR. There's a lot of, if you're a motorsports fan or just a car or bike junkie, everything's starting to, all the series, local and national, starting to gear up and need to be full swing. So it's, it's kind of an exciting time if you're a gearhead. So we'll be doing that, obviously, car and driver before us with Alan Taylor and then the tasting room with Tom Likas afterwards. Fantastic. Uh, speaking of full swing, Richie Bristol will be back tomorrow, and uh, he is – this is the reason we put off uh, – Richie is going to be back tomorrow because uh, we are going to have uh, – this is why we put off the guy, uh, Stu, from uh, South Sea Connection. So we'll be listening for that tomorrow. Somebody asked me if that was going to be today, and it's tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we can't have our resident swinger no. out when we have him on. No, Richie specifically is, I want to be there. Uh, Has he been frequenting the... Uh, well, uh, dude, I don't know. And I haven't I asked. I stopped asking. I stopped... Well, you know, here's the thing. And well, I, what's it called now? What's the Ace of Hearts, right? It was the Angels Sensual Social Club. Yes. Or Ass Club. 
Um, uh, but uh, well, Sarah and I noted that he gave Sarah and myself, and I think Lisa. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that just the four of Lisa us? Lisa and Pasha. And Pasha, he gave us all, uh, you know, like passes, like here, this is good for one free entry or whatever. No, and, and year-long membership. A year-long membership, and then <laughs> yeah. like a weekend, because then you have to pay a weekly fee or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so he gave us basically like a get-in-free a couple times pass or whatever. And we had totally said that like, you know, we we'll surely have to go back at some point and kind of see, because we went there when it was empty, not open. And we're like, well, I, you know, it's like a Fellini film. You have to go back at some point and just witness it just so you can sort of, to, you know, see what it is, just Make, so you can experience the vision, the whole thing, you know, just to see what it looks like. You'd have to walk through at least once. Just yeah, to totally, because we saw it empty, and it, again, it, yeah, it's like a weird surrealist thing. Like, you want to see it, you'll forgive the pun, in full swing, so you can just sort of process it. And we have the whole discussion about, like, we have to make sure that it's not, like, on the same weekend. Like, I don't want to walk in to look at the whole thing, and then, like, there's Sarah across the room, because that would just be weird. Ew, like, I would do... I'm sorry, I'm not being judgmental, no, 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 I not, really no. would not. You, no, 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 not engaged in okay. any... No, 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 I'm saying... <laughs> No, that goes without saying. Do we know each other? <laughs> no, that goes without saying. Okay. Who am I? Seriously, that's what caught me off guard. I'm no, like, no, 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 no. As, as Sarah told, as you told one of the tour guides, uh, I will not be having intercourse if I come here. Um, but no, it, we had talked about that if any of us went just to sort of sightsee, uh, that we would have to make sure that it was not on the same night. Yeah. Because if I went in just to sort of scope it out and like, there's Pasha, and then it's like we can never talk to each other again if we're both sort of there. But... Anyway, my point is, then Richie immediately was like, I'm going to go. And he went like three nights in a row. And I, at least for now, lost all interest in just even going as a spectator. You know what I mean? Who knows? Because he might not be telling us the truth, and he could be there every single night. And and I also feel like, I don't know, speaking for me, I think maybe for you, I sort of overdosed on the whole, uh, I had my fill of the whole the whole swingers club yeah. thing for a while. I'm going to wait. Maybe I'll use that next year. Well, Richie seems to be letting out his inner bad boy. Now he's riding his Harley, you know, wearing yeah. the leather boots. You know, I just, I can imagine him uh, being yeah. a, uh, a regular patron. In any event. Well, that's awkward. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so join us tomorrow when our guest will include uh, Aaron Geek in the city, Duran, who will be bringing his, uh, his D20 with us. Uh, let's see. Uh, also, we'll talk to What's-His-Name Stu from South Sea Connection. Uh, and Lisa Desjardins will be joining us from the Hill. Miles around this Saturday, 9 to 11. Absolutely. And uh, if you don't mind me plugging the TV show, no, it's on uh, Sundays at 1230 on Portland CW. And it's actually been uh, quite interesting the way that the YouTube stuff and all the MySpace stuff is really kind of that Web 2, 2.0 stuff. We're getting like a quarter million hits on YouTube a month now. So uh, one of the things, I'm going to have to just bring a camera in here, start filming you guys and putting it up on YouTube. Excellent. I mean, that would be my suggestion, but don't. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. It's the love. It's the love, I feel. Uh, we want to thank... Uh, are we, when are we starting here? I mean, I got like four seconds. All right. Yeah. We have one call left. I wonder who this is. You're going to regret it. Last, last call of the day. Please don't suck. Hello. Is this me? Yes, go Yes, you're off to a flying start. Please, be <laughs> better. You. Hey, you, uh, you omitted too close by next. I know it uh, in the top five. I know it... Uh, doesn't qualify because it's in the 90s, but it's the most awkward song ever. Okay. All right. Thank you. There you go. Well, that's neither here nor there. That was just sort of, that was a neutral call. Kind of existed. All right. We want to thank Dennis Pitts and Margaret from Miles Around, CNN Radio Correspondents James Roop and Lisa Desjardins. Join us tomorrow. We will talk to Aaron Geek in the city, Duran, as well as Stu from South Sea Connection. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970. Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Uh, Christopher Scott today. Uh, Dave Zinn is the gatekeeper. Uh, Webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Like us next. Like us 101.5. Donna Mike at 7. See you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. Have a great night. Bye. Mamma mia! What happened to my penis?